Great. And we... <laughs> I didn't record all of that. <laughs> and, and we're back. And we're yes. back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? How am I? How aren't I? I no. Um, well, I'm wearing a scarf and a hat indoors. You are? That's so good. Nothing's changed. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to um, the new year. I'm, 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 I've decided that um, uh, this is the year. This is the year for well, or just let's the year. Find out <laughs> <laughs> at the end of I the year. I think also this is the year. At the end of the year, I think we can kind of like go, yeah, absolutely, for good or for bad. That was the um, year. That was the year. I put a thing on my Twitter the other day, and I meant it. I went. 2024 is going to be my year. <laughs> next year, not this year. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I felt like. It felt like this year, it's probably not going to be my year. If you're listening in the future, um, uh, the year is uh, Jan- it's January 2023. It sounds futuristic. So, uh, so, 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 uh, what? Yeah. Firstly, what Nathaniel said. Uh, was a joke. It was a joke. In case because, that was... Because that's the future. But also, you'll know uh, from your position in the future that it was neither of our years. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening in 2025 <laughs> and you're looking back and going, it was not his year. <laughs> it was neither of their years. <laughs> oh, my God. And they didn't even go for the same year. They were for different <laughs> years. And Spread they, it out. They Spread failed, betting, that's called. They failed spectacularly at either one. But that, that's not saying that this year isn't your year and next year isn't my year. Isn't it? Are we talking in the position of the future? No, I'm talking about... I'm talking about... It's true. 2023 is my year, but it might be 2024. Yeah, it's you true. You know, all I'm saying is that I'm a failure in 2023 again. <laughs> um, so far, so So far. Bad. So... <laughs> brilliant. I mean, it's... Yeah, because it's not it's not that we finish off each of the sentences. It's that you'll say a sentence and I'll repeat it over you, <laughs> and then take full credit for it. Uh, that's 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 how we go. Anyway, my name's Nick, and my name's Nat. My, my name is uh, uh, Nah. I'm not gonna not gonna change the format at this point. No, I'm Nick. Um, I'm still Nat in twenty. Nathaniel Metcalf. Nathaniel Metcalf. And. Um, uh, and we're, we're in the Clubhouse Treehouse. Welcome to another edition of uh, Nick and Nat Consume, Consume and Obey. And obey. Um, so I've climbed up my uh, uh, shitty... Uh, Still sh- shitty. Oh, yeah. If anything, it's got worse. <laughs> we should have got you some new rope for Christmas. Uh, well, I, that's the thing. I thought it was new rope because before before Christmas, that rope was very, very brown, like a dark, dark brown in places. Um, And this new rope that I got was one of them sort of like nylon blue ropes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I've come back and it's... And and not only uh, does it smell of shit and it's all all earthy uh, in tone, but there's a pile of vomit at the bottom of the pilot. Yeah, and I... Do you know what I think it was? I think it was New Year's Eve revelers. No. Um, so the, so I, I ended the year with new rope, and I've started the year with uh, more old shitty rope. Oh, shitty rope! How is how's your, how's your how's your ladder? Uh, it's lovely, yeah. Yeah, yeah new year. Yeah, if you want to be mainstream, I suppose, then uh, good luck with your ladder. Yeah, but uh, it's I got a winch only... on it that can winch me up, but the winch is unfortunately at the top. 
So when I get there, that's the only time I can operate my winch. Yeah. So it's a bit waste. It's, it's a bit waste. like um, uh, reining in your portcullis or or yeah. or the, your drawbridge. Drawing up the drawbridge, much Drawing like Jim, drawbridge. Jim Davidson says. Yeah. Pull it up. Pull up the drawbridge. And when does Jim Davidson say that? In, he said it was on Desmond Mel and got a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he was no, talking no. about he was talking about yeah, immigration. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, right. Well, uh, if, if my, my 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 my, <laughs> I was saying it in a different context. Uh, uh, well, just to be clear, uh, uh, for new listeners, I'm very much the John Virgo to Daniel Metcalf's Jim Davidson. <laughs> if you don't know who John Virgo is, Google it. Um, so. Um, yeah, we're here at the beginning. What have you been? Um, uh, uh, what have you been a fan of? Wow. What have you been listening to? Uh, what have you? Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Do you know what? I think I've just got to get through this year. That's what I've decided. I've just got to get through it. Yeah. And I'm going to hope for the best. And then any big plans, I think I'm going to save for 2024. You could well that's your year. But this is a good start. We're back. We're back. Back on the mics already. Well, yeah, first week. First week. Of, what day, what's the date today? Uh, the 7th, 8th, 8th it's of January. So we've, we're a week down. All right, we've lost a week. Sure, but you've, this is like pretty much the first opportunity you could possibly have recorded. I could have recorded it on Friday, but okay. I oh, had jet true. lag. But, had um, jet lag, um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, and all I've got in my wallet is American dollars. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been travelling. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, my holiday. Uh, my holiday. Uh, yeah. I've been, been travelling. I've been travelling. Yeah, yeah, I've been somewhere sunny. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to mention my holiday. Uh, but the only thing that there is to mention about it was I was... The only thing I care about when anyone goes on holiday, yeah. when they get back, I want to know... What, what films? What they, they ate and what films were on the plane? Yeah, and that's yeah. all I, I it's all the important care about. Bit. Do not give a fuck about how your holiday was. No. I just want to know what films you watched. You did tell me what it was like though, and you said it was very nice. It was. I had a I really nice interested. time. I had a really nice time. But <laughs> but but that's the thing. We just went. I, I, You're telling me it was hot and it was sunny and. Well, at the beginning of at the beginning. Okay, right. So um, so this is the way we're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So we're recording it in my flat. Yeah. We're recording this in my flat. Uh, I've got all the equipment. I know what I'm doing. Right? Oh yeah. And um, and so the, I'm just double checking that I actually I'm first recording. I could see your eyes do that as you said it. <laughs> like, I, I would have laughed. I, know, wherever you, I, I see I, your eyes dart down when you said I know what I'm doing. There's nothing. I mean, all we need to do is follow the script, and yeah, uh, and, and we can just replicate it. Yeah. Um, uh, this is scripted, by the way. If anyone's it's listening, all scripted. Th- th- yeah. Uh, as, as, as a great, as a great man once said, David Trent, that bit scripted as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so what was I fucking saying? Oh yeah, so 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 the idea is that we're going to meet up every week. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take Nathaniel out for uh, a Sunday roast, and we're going to record an episode of uh, Consumer Bay, right? Which is what you're listening to now. Um, but what I, the, my fatal error mm-hmm. is that. Um, uh, we've been friends for over 15 years. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't know anything about your personal life, no. and 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 you do know a lot about mine, but because um, <laughs> only because I like enforce it on you. Yeah. But um, but we just had to get through a whole dinner, and every time we st- started talking we, about anything, all we talk about is films, and <laughs> every time we started a new conversation, it was like, well, we can't talk about that. That's gold. Yeah. Uh, and it probably and, wasn't. And I think what you will find is if you listen long enough, that our our value of gold has yeah. been very much devalued yeah uh and even though it's been nice to hear people say oh it's really nice to have you back and i i I always think to me it doesn't feel like it has gone away because every time i see you basically it's just this well there's very little this is this is this is what we'd do anyway with like like five percent more structure than it would be if we were just yeah if we were just chatting but like um uh, before before Christmas, they re-released Jaws, didn't they? Yes. And you watched it in 3D, and yeah. I watched it in 3D, independently of each other. Yes. And you came... It was just after my birthday, wasn't it? Yeah. And you came over, and the idea was we were going to watch a film. Yeah. But we didn't. We talked about Jaws for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Jaws for five and a half hours. And, and it, was a brilliant, it was a brilliant chat. But at the same time, I was furious, because we didn't record it. I was like, that would have been... Yeah, that would that have been, been money one. in the bank. And by money been. in the bank, I mean... You know, sound on a disc. Five hours, five hours of a podcast. Is it a disc? Is it niche? Is it a podcast? It is now. Um, so, um, so we talked about George for five hours, and so so Nathaniel's come over, taken him out, got him, got him a roast dinner, and now we're all a bit sleepy, and we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about films for the aim is an hour, but we will over yeah. we may why, overrun. Why, why are we doing it? Because we've also realised as well, that but we can't we, we can't overrun. Because no. we've got to we've got to be somewhere tonight, and so so the reason is right. I said to Nathaniel, um, uh, we were going to record on Friday, but I had yeah. jet lag, and I was just like, can we do Sunday? And Nathaniel was like, yeah, we can do Sunday, but we're going to have to do it in the day because I might be doing something in the evening. And I was like, oh, all right, okay, right. So we do it in the day. So we're doing it in the day on a Sunday, and uh, I got an email from the BFI because they love me, and uh, <laughs> I got an email from the BFI. Hey, Nick. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? I just thought you might be interested. So they uh, sent me an email, and uh, there's a, a Kira Kurosawa um, uh, uh, season mm-hmm. that's on, um, and uh, and Rashomon is on tonight, right? Uh, so it's six thirty in Screen One, right? And that's my favourite cinema. And and um, uh, and my point of view, the way I'm, the where I'm coming from, is that um, I have uh, almost a violent inability to concentrate on anything that is black and white or with subtitles and at uh, home at home at home uh if i watch anything at home um i always pick my phone up and i start fucking around with my phone and i have to just put my phone on the other side of the room in order to watch films right um so i do struggle with that and i think that the best way to do it is to just go to the cinema and so they've got this uh, and i think that i think kurosawa has like this reputation for being quite lofty mm-hmm. and uh and a bit pretentious and intellectual and i think that is largely from people that have no idea what kurosawa is yeah cuz he is about he's like the inventor of uh action uh, yeah. of, uh like so so he was inspired um, I think he was inspired by a lot of like American well, films. He was wasn't in, he? inspired by like westerns of the thirties mm. and forties, and I guess fifties. And then he was making uh, samurai movies, which were meant to be like um, 
which were meant to be like American Westerns. He was kind of like, okay, well, Americans have got uh, a, a, a history of, we of, of cowboys, and so they've made these Westerns. And so he was like, what's the equivalent of... Uh, of, a, of a western in in japan and so it's just like oh right we'll do these samurai movies and so you know you got um the seven samurai now did uh magnificent seven come first no i think it was uh, i think they all are i think they've all come from i thought magnificent seven was first and then um seven samurai was second because yojimbo which is uh which is the, the film about a samurai that turns up and there are these two warring kind of mm -hmm. like factions and he plays them off each other uh, Sergio Leone stole that and he made uh, he Fistful did. of Dollars. And and so that's what Fistful and of had Dollars to, is. had to eventually do... Um, Didn't they have to apologise or pay him loads of money? He had to pay him for loads of money. And then the Seven Samurai is the Magnificent Seven. Okay, yeah. So Seven Samurai, 54, Magnificent Seven, 1960. Okay, right. So it was that way around. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that Kurosawa... Did it the other way around and he knit something. He probably he's probably inspired by it. I mean, I guess that Throne is of quite Blood is Macbeth. Macbeth, but but you've got people that are saying like, oh, he's a bit niche and all of that. Well, like the Hidden Fortress, George Lucas based Star Wars off that, and mm. Star Wars is I don't know if you've heard about it, but <laughs> it's like the, give it a Google. It's the biggest. It's the it was it was the inventor of modern mainstream entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So like Kurosawa, if you can get past the black and white, and if you can get through the subtitles, he's basically making mainstream uh, westerns. Well, also, you find that with most... I guess they're easterns. Yes. <laughs> Very good. I haven't coined that, I'm sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, I think I find that with a lot of... Um, the more the more you kind of explore any kind of world cinema or anything, anything that feels like... You always imagine a lot of this stuff might be hard going, and it so rarely is. It's like... All oh, right, yeah, it's just a really popular thing because it's good. Well, also, uh, so before Christmas, uh, not part of the, what I watched over Christmas. Did we talk about it? I don't know. I watched no, I, on, I watched Oni Barba, which has been on my list oh, yeah. of stuff to watch for ages and ages and ages. And when you watch it, it's just this really kind of like great. It's I I don't have a problem with black and white, but I know a lot of people do. I love I love black and white photography. I love black mm. and white films. I just find it quite hard going. Um, I don't know what is it ADHD maybe. Well, uh, there's a pill for it, and then I want to get to the bottom of it so I can enjoy films at home. But um, but uh, so so like Oni Barbo is kind of like this psychological thriller that's set. I think another point of it is that they're all set hundreds of years ago, yeah. so they're historic epics, and it makes you think oh, this is going to be a bit hard going, and it's not. It's just in another language. Uh, and they were made maybe there's a slower pace to the storytelling because they were made in the fifties and the sixties. But, yeah, they're like these incredible films. Anyway, my point was that I said, hey, Nathaniel, come over. We'll record an episode around my house. And I said, and um, I know you said that you got a run off, but um, uh, if, 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 if that's fallen through, would you like to go and see Rashomon at the BFI tonight? And what did you say? I said I was going to see Rashomon, <laughs> but at Picture House Central. <laughs> and that's what I was doing. So, so. basically, if this overruns... Then we'll miss the six thirty at the BFI, and we'll just go to the we'll other We'll go one. to the yeah. picture house, and yeah. we'll watch it at picture house an hour later. Yeah, but um, I just think that that is—I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I could not believe <laughs> but it. It happens all the I time. I could not. But I bet. Did you know how fucking? Do you know how fucking? What are the chances? Like yeah. literally, I was just like, "Oh, I might go and see Rashomon tonight." No one's thinking that. No one is thinking that, and we'll get there, and it'll be sold out, right? Yeah. 
But, like, <laughs> but no one is thinking, oh, I think I might. Do you know what I'm going to do the first week after after the Christmas holidays? I'm going to go down to BFI and treat myself to a nice evening of watching Rashomon. No one's thinking that except you. I mean, it's not BFI, <laughs> it's Picture House with you and your staff discounts. Yeah, yeah. So fucking, yeah, so... So that that uh, anyway, what have you been? What have, how 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 did you get to the bottom of New Year's resolutions? No, I don't no. think I really did one. No, well, let's fucking forget who it. Who gives a fuck about that? <laughs> <laughs> now tell me. <laughs> I would say weirdly, I think I've been watching. Like I feel like I've watched a lot less than I would normally watch, and I think that's because over Christmas, I almost revert back to like the radio times and I'm, I'm a bit like what's on and i found myself watching like like quite normal telly but i get slightly infected by it but i think that that's a really nice way of watching films as well mm. because because uh, you know we talk about streaming and what you lose from the video shop days where um in the video shop you'd have like 500 films and you'd seen half of them already yeah. And it was like, what's what have you got in on a Friday night? And then that's what you were stuck with. Those were your choices. And you'd rent out a film and you'd get it home. And if you didn't like it in the in the first ten minutes, you'd have to sit and watch the the, the next eighty minutes anyway because that's all that was your only option. What you lose from the video shops and what you lose from streaming, you also lose from uh, the, having five channels that have programmed yeah. what movies you're watching. Like the Christmas Day movie used to be a huge thing, and it's and it and it's just not anymore. And I quite, uh, you know, in a world where we're all overwhelmed all the time, um, and you know everyone's got anxiety and everyone's stressed out and all this other stuff. There's too much choice, and I will spend an hour and a half trying to find a film to watch. And by the time I found it, I'm ready for bed, and uh, and I, I do miss those old days. And also. Just like having kind of a, oh, it's the, it's this, on Saturday night on ITV. You've got a nine o'clock film, uh, and then there'll be the news at ten halfway through, and then you watch the second half of the film. That's bonkers that that's how we used to do it. <laughs> but it was only it was only like twenty years ago, you know. Yeah. Only you... twenty years ago. <laughs> only uh, most of our listeners aren't even twenty. I should imagine so most more than our, half our life. Or most, uh, fuck it, less than half our life. Yeah. Less than half yeah, our yeah. life. Less than half our life. Fuck it, um, but yeah. So I think that, I, I think that's the thing. I, I I didn't watch I didn't watch loads of films over Christmas either. My girlfriend's not really into films, and her family are definitely not into films. And we went to visit her family, and we didn't watch any films over Christmas. And Christmas Day was such a fleeting thing around my family that we didn't sit down and watch anything. Um, and then. Uh, and then I went away just after Christmas. So all of my film watching was basically a few films before Christmas and then on the flight out and on, on the flight back. But I didn't watch anything on holiday or anything. You're like right, that. though. It is something quite... That's what it feels like. It feels like a bit of a... Oh, it's Christmas, I'll watch this. Well, when I was away, then we had, like, hotel TV and, like, Men in Black was on. And, I, and, and that was all we had. Yeah. And it was like half an hour in, or maybe it was like t ten minutes. It was when Will Smith running around at the beginning. So I guess it's like ten minutes into the film, and you kind of like go, "I haven't watched Men in Black since the cinema, maybe since the, like the first one," and um, and it was and it and I didn't watch it all, but what I did watch was like that's really good. Mm. I think it is bonkers that that you had the Adams Family and Men in Black, and Danny Elfman did the music for them, and it's like they're not Tim Burton movies. No. Yeah, they're both, both Barry Sonnenfeld, aren't they? And it's kind of like... Um, it, it, but it's sort of like Barry Sonnenfeld... 
It's weird because Tim Burton, even mm-hmm, by the mid nineties, even Tim Burton wasn't Tim Burton yet. No, and you, but it did feel like that. Certainly, the Adams family did feel like Tim Burton ish, a Tim Burton esque. Well, he's done movie. Wednesday for yeah. Netflix, and you kind of like go, well, he's already, yeah, haven't he's, you already done it? Yeah. and you go, no, no, it was Barry Sonnenfeld. But it's it's like all the same imagery. And didn't Barry Sonnenfeld come? Wasn't he someone who came up with the Coen Brothers? I think Barry Sonnenfeld was the. <laughs> It was a DOP on Blood Simple, yeah, their first film. Yeah. <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld came up with the Coen Brothers. And, um, and I think Barry Sonnenfeld was meant to direct Lady Killers. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, which, which makes much more sense. Yes. And then I think the Coen Brothers, uh, uh, the, I think their mum passed away um, around that time. And then they were, that's why they did. Intolerable cruelty, lady. It was just like their worst films. Yeah. It was just like they were just like basically trying to keep busy. I think. Well, this is a tangent, but I watched Intolerable Cruelty recently, having avoided it, and I thought it was great. Have you never seen it? Hadn't, didn't watch it, didn't bother. I thought it was like this isn't a proper one. And when I watched it, I was really <laughs> struck by how much of a proper one it was. Oh really? I thought it was really great. Oh really? Uh, do you know what? It's kind of like I think at the time. It's got like a combination of things that are working against it for me, which was it came just after Lady Killers. Mm. Was it or just before? Ooh. I think it was after. I feel it was probably after. Um, I didn't like Lady Killers. Uh, Lady Killers was fucking awful. And, but I thought I might. I love the I love the uh, Alec Ealing, Ealing. Yeah, yeah. The Ealing yeah, Lady and Killers. it's weird that it didn't translate. And it, but like in a way, I was a bit like, oh, that seems weird. But it might translate. And when you had like when you first saw Tom Hanks in all his get up, I was like, oh, this might. <laughs> really work yeah. and, and I was sort of sold on the idea then I watched it and it just feels like flat and you've got J.K. Simmons who's got IBS and there's all these sort of like fart jokes in it and you're kind of like you're the Cohen brothers <laughs> like do you know what you, what are you doing um, I was yeah I. so this goes with my theory but um, so uh, so you've got the lady because and then you have intolerable cruelty mm-hmm. and um, and what I love about the Cohen brothers usually is they have real sort of like left field choices when it comes to casting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got Tim Robbins in the Hudsucker Proxy uh, with Paul Newman playing the bad guy. And uh, even Tom Hanks in Lady Killers, it's like, oh, who would have thought? And then when you see it, actually, it's kind of like, oh. And so when Intolerable Cruelty came out, it was George Clooney at the height of him being George Clooney. And it was Catherine Zeta Jones when she was her most famous. And it was like, uh, it felt like really, it felt like a real mainstream hit, but the story felt so jagged that it didn't feel like a mainstream. Well, it has all the kind of. It's quite a fun. I mean, it's not really rom. It's almost like an anti rom com, yeah. but it sort of plays up all those kind of rom com kind of traits and things, but almost in reverse. Right. And it's. I think it's really. I mean, but maybe it's the attitude going in. Like I just thought. Yeah. I thought it was a bit like. This is going to be like, I, I'm going in thinking it's not going to be very good, but who knows? Well, I think that, I think it is the attitude going in. I think it is kind of, um, well, what would it be? It would be kind of like, um, at the time, it feels like a wasted opportunity or a missed opportunity. Yeah. If you're only going to get one Coen Brothers movie every two years or whatever, and you've waited two years, for, and you don't. Like, normally there's a bigger space, but those ones came out quite quickly. Um, then Intolerable Cruelty felt a little bit like, I'm not really interested in this film. Um, Supposedly, that what I was re- I'm reading up on it when it came out, there was a really nice 
kind of oryx it was an earlier screenplay of theirs that got bought by they they had no interest in making did it did they write it from scratch they wrote it from scratch right and it was like a it was like an old screenplay that i think they didn't really have any interest in because i think they inherited late maybe they rewrote lady kills or maybe they wrote lady kills but I right. think they inherited that off barry sonnenfeld okay so this is like if i've not made that up <laughs> intolerable cruelty was written by them and was kind of put aside and they decided they weren't really interested in it and the screenplay was bought by brian grazer i think who's ron howard's producer i think possibly with an idea that ron howard might do it um and i think ron howard kind of i decided not to do it or kind of moved on from it but it was already kind of in sort of pre-production and so brian grazer had a meeting asked for a meeting with the coen brothers and the coen brothers went We'll take the meeting. I'm just opening some Pepsi Max Sherry. I think you would have got away with it. Um, they uh, they think we'll take the meeting because we don't want to be rude. And I think all their agents were saying, "Take the meeting," and it's like we don't even really want to do it. We don't want to do <laughs> this intolerable cruelty film. We've we've done it. We've sort of moved on. We've moved past it. It's not something we want to do anymore. And when we went in for the meeting, they're having they're talking to Brian Grazer about it, and they said. It's just not really something I want to do. I know that you're keen to do it. And for, from Brian Grazer's point of view, he was like, oh, it's a Coen Brothers script. Ron Howard's not doing it. Why don't I get the Coen Brothers to do it? Perfect. And they were like, they sort of went in with this idea that we don't want to do it. We're not interested. And then there was this sort of huddle of what they were going to do next anyway. And Brian Grazer basically said, well, you know, the nice thing about this is you can basically just do it now. And you don't have to, you know, run around and get funding it's like it's already like basically funded by universal because we've got a star attached and they went oh right well who's in it and they said george clooney's attached to do it and they were like looking at each other going oh we like george clooney they've just done <laughs> and they just went like they went, oh yeah and now they start going and then it was the thing where they both going i mean it'd be good wouldn't he and they just hadn't even considered any of the right. possibilities of it oh, when well. they started thinking Oh, actually, yeah, he's actually a really good casting for that, and we like him, and it's funded, and we don't have to do anything. We don't have to, like, scramble to try and get our next project off the ground. It's, like, ready, mm. and it's, you know, filming in what, however many months in the future or whatever, and they're like, well, let's do it. And then yeah. they, that, was the, that was the kind of origin of it. That's well, I, So what I was saying, that at the time... It felt like a waste of opportunity. But now when you're looking back and you've got like a load of other... And also they haven't got as as clean a hit rate as no. they did back then. At that Up to that point, every single one of their films was incredible mm-hmm. in different ways, but they were all great. And then it was like Lady Killers was like, oh, hang on a minute. And Intolerable Cruelty was like, and you followed that up with this. And then they kind of like found their, their groove again. But um, But... but yeah, at the time it was sort of like a little bit disappointing. But looking back, um, it's the sort of thing that if it was on TV and you didn't know who directed it, you'd probably enjoy it more. Yeah. But my theory is that um, it's uh, it's so Hudsucker Proxy was produced by action <laughs> action <Yes>. movie producer <laughs> Joel Silver. It was, yeah. Who'd done like Lethal Weapon and Die Hard, and then he did like this weird screwball 1950s comedy. The Hudsucker Proxy. Um, and it's got this... I love The Hudsucker Proxy. It's my absolute favourite Coen Brothers film. I love everything about it. I think it's beautiful. It's magical. It's um, it's escapism. It's got amazing performances in it. Tim Robbins is great. Paul Newman's great. Jennifer Jason is incredible. incredible. 
It's got a really good Bruce Campbell cameo, but there's the problem. Bruce Campbell's in it, <laughs> and so it was like it was it was a chance for Bruce Campbell to go mainstream, uh, and it was one of the biggest flops. Yeah. But could, also, he is great in it. I think it had a... Yeah, he's brilliant. Well, also, so... Oh, God. <laughs> what have we done? 27 minutes. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about any nope. of the stuff we were going to talk about. Nope. Fine. Okay. Fine. There, there is some structure. If you're listening for the first time, <laughs> why? <laughs> why have you jumped into this episode? Um, well, episode one's not going to help you. If you've never listened to this before, you have to go back 350 episodes to the very first fan club that we did over on Fubar Radio, and we're just That's picking very up much uh, the danger man to yeah. uh, <laughs> to, to uh, uh, consume and obey the, the prisoner. prisoner. Yeah. Um, so so. Uh, yeah, the structure is we're going to talk shit for half an hour. Then we'll oh, do an hour. Th- and then, then, we'll just hour leave. then we'll do fan mail. And then we're going to talk about a specific film in the second half, which, which um, is now. We, we, is no, in about two no, and a half minutes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but I've just realised. Okay, so, okay, so Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Um, my, oh, I love Sam Raimi so much, right? Um, I hated Doctor Strange too. Sorry. And, um, right, but I love it. Right, but so he made Evil Dead mm-hmm. with, his, with his good pal. Uh, Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. and uh, producer Rob Rob Tapper. Yes, and uh, they they made this Evil Dead movie, right? And, uh, and when they were kids, when they were kids, they were like nine. I think Sam Raimi's younger, so Sam Raimi was like eighteen, and Bruce Campbell was nineteen. Um, it, <laughs> it, it's so it's so charming and beautiful the way. Well, we've just been talking about this. Um, w- Film criticism online. I mean, what, what? I just need to make a note. Bruce <laughs> Campbell. Right, okay. Maybe it is ADHD. I think it is. And also, maybe. Oh, if I find. <laughs> maybe the magic will go. Um, what's the other thing? It was uh, Evil Dead Rise. Got a trailer. Um, um, right, anyway, so. Okay, so Evil Dead, their kids. Evil Dead, their kids. They came out right. Then they made. uh, Then, then their follow-up to Evil Dead was a film called Crime Wave. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Evil Dead was a movie that they made. They made it for for hardly any money. They borrowed loads of money off dentists. Mm -hmm. Uh, They made the. They they, they made a short film called uh, Within the Woods. which they took around to all of these dentists' living rooms. They set up a projector in their living room and they showed this horrible kind of splatter movie <laughs> uh, in, uh, in all of these kind of like uh, middle-class people's homes. I always think I'm always surprised people went, yeah, I'll give you some money. And, and, uh, but they were all like, this is disgusting. We, we hate it. And they go, yeah, I know, but it will make loads of money. And they were like, all right. And so they, they basically funded it all off of all of these dentists that had no interest in watching the movie but they were it was basically a gamble you know you put this amount of money in you might get some money out of it and one of the their points of pride is that they paid back everyone that gave them any uh, gave them the money so the sound editor on evil dead was joel cohen Mm -hmm. right so this is before they made uh, their first movie and uh which was blood simple so when they made blood simple if you watch blood simple Uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. Right. So when you watch, uh, so when you watch Blood Simple and Raising Arizona, what the uh, Blood Simple is a thriller. It's like a 
we're film noir, isn't it? And Raising Arizona is like a screwball comedy. Mm -hmm. And Nicolas Cage said that he based his whole performance on Wiley Coyote. Right? <laughs> and um, I mean, that's what it is. It's like a, it is a Looney Tunes. Yeah. Film. And and but when you look at it, you can see just how inspired by Sam Raimi, the Coen Brothers were. It's like they've. They, they've lifted shots out of Evil Dead and put them in those movies. Like, uh, uh, it's brilliant. So they were like these collaborators. And then when they made, when Sam Raimi went to make his second film, he made a film called Crime Wave, which was like a romantic comedy, which I maintain has got one of the best screen jokes of all time in it. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult film to watch. The structure's terrible. There's no real lead in it. Um, no. It's sort of like it's sort of it's an ensemble screwball crime movie, which doesn't really work. But the best joke, uh, you know, what it, what, what I was going to say was that the online criticism about films has deteriorated to the point where it's um, it's a person that will basically just talk you through all of the plot beats and say whether they like it or not. And then the other thing that is sort of like rearing its head online is people going, have you noticed these movie mistakes? And it's just continuity errors. And I don't... And I, I love continuity errors when I, when I notice them and when I see them because it's the joins of the film, you know. It's, it's, you're seeing how the filmmakers made the film. I, I watch films on one level to, as escapism... And um, that's roast dinner. Uh, as escapism <laughs> and to be transported somewhere and to hear a story for the first time or or, um, or, or to fall in love with characters that are never... That's, you know, that's what I love about films. But on another level, I love the process of making films and I love the process of uh, what's going on behind the scenes and how they're being made. And so when you see continuity errors in films and people are, like, flagging them up going, oh, this, this, this doesn't make... Look, it's not a plot hole. If there's a plot hole in a film, fair enough. If you're watching a film and you go, well, that doesn't make sense because they said one thing and then something else happened, that's, that's a legitimate mistake in a film, I would say. But when someone's holding something in one hand and then in the next shot they're holding it in the other, there's a whole process of things that went through. It's gone right there, picking the best performance on the day. They filmed them in different, uh, on, on different uh, locations. Do you know what I mean? There's all of these things that go into it. And, it's, and I would say the way I love it is the way I love the stop-motion King Kong where when you see King Kong in the 1930s King Kong movie, 1933, um, you can see, like, the thumbprints and the fingerprints on his fur as he's, as, he's being, yes. as he's being articulated. And the magic isn't the fact that um, it's a 50-foot it's a, it's a gorilla. The magic is the fact that it's a 15-inch a, 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 a um, uh, figure that they have articulated and through photography have made it come alive. And to see the thumbprints and to see the way that they do it, that makes it more magical to me. And uh, that's why I love films. And that's where we're coming from. You know, th occasionally we'll be, there'll be spoilers, I suppose. But, um, uh, but I'm not really interested in kind of like just telling the listener, our mm. listeners, what the end of a movie is. Yeah. The whole point is that we're enthusiastic about film. I love films and I love talking about films, but these aren't necessarily going to be like reviews. But anyway, 
So Crime Wave is this weird film. It's got an amazing joke in it about halfway through. Uh, go If you watch Crime Wave, watch it. I would. If you, if you, if uh, There's a trailer for Evil Dead Rise that's just come out. And if you're going to go back and you're going to, you know... Um, watch all the Evil Dead films, watch Crime Wave, because if it wasn't for Crime Wave, there wouldn't be an Evil Dead franchise. Mm -hmm. um, because Crime Wave was such a fucking disaster <laughs> that they had to make Evil Dead 2, <laughs> otherwise they, they wouldn't... They, they, they had to, like, get a career somehow. And they were like, well, we can't do any... <laughs> No-one's going to trust us with any money after Crime Wave, so we have to make Evil Dead 2. Crime Wave was written by... Uh, anyway, so the, the joke that I love the most uh, involves washing up. So that's the joke. It's a visual joke. It's, an, it's a joke that's on the edit, but it's brilliant. Um, so, so they made Crime Wave, and it was written by the Coen brothers mm -hmm. and Sam Raimi, mm -hmm. and it's set in Hudsucker Prison. Mm -hmm. And then years later, they make the Hudsucker Proxy, um, and Sam Raimi, because he wrote Crime Wave with the Coen brothers, the Coen brothers bring Sam Raimi on, and then they write this thing that's also set in this shared universe, I guess, but it's not really. They're completely different films. But um, it's this. Uh, it's this sort of like shared. It's shared universe. And um, uh, sorry, that really distracted me. That. You've <laughs> <laughs> but now we can leave it in, and I don't have to go back and edit that out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So so they they made this film, and then years later they they made the Hudsucker Proxy. And um, Bruce Campbell's got a cameo in it. Bruce Campbell was meant to be the lead in Crime Wave, but they said he wasn't bankable enough. So they got a guy that's even less well-known <laughs> than Bruce Campbell to be the lead. Um, Bruce Campbell's got, like, a, a lesser part in, in it. And he's, he's, he's good in it. It's just, like, it's a, it's a weird... It's hard to get through. Hudson Proxy, absolutely magical film. And Sam Raimi's got a cameo in it. And is Ted Raimi in it? I don't think Ted Raimi's in it. There's a bit when they're all coming up with idea, with names for the hula hoop and they're like silhouettes. Yes. That's Sam Raimi in kind of like one of the silhouettes, kind of right. Uh, maybe he's the one that goes, the daddy Oh, But I don't <laughs> think it is his voice. Um, anyway, Bruce Campbell's got this book. Anyway, it was this, I think it was their biggest budget movie at the time. Joel Silver produced it. Box office bomb. Uh, Bruce Campbell's in it. It was Bruce Campbell's attempt to go... Not, not his attempt, but it was an opportunity for him to go legitimate. Yes. And it was like, he, he was very unlucky. And then he's got cameos in Intolerable Cruelty and The Lady Killers, both of them being the Coen Brothers' worst films. I think they're cursed. The only thing that breaks the curse is... What, for Bruce Campbell? Yeah, and the Coen Brothers. Uh, no, I can't think. Uh, in Fargo... yeah. Uh, when uh, William H. Macy's wife is tied up in the kitchen, yes, she's watching a daytime TV soap opera, right? And it is an old episode of a soap opera that Bruce Campbell is in, right? And they're playing an old episode. So, so Bruce Campbell is on the TV in Fargo from an old episode. Wow! But it was sourced rather than he didn't film, film it specially. It. it was just an old episode of a uh, of a soap opera. That I didn't know that. Oh my I god! Didn't know that. Yeah, well, it's rare that I stump you. But, I think uh, there's that thing, isn't there? I think he says about uh, Congo, where everyone... That, that was yeah, notoriously Congo. a disaster. Congo. But he says, like, everything about that was... Right, it's another Michael Crichton book. Who directs Congo? Is it... Is it Frank Marshall? Frank Marshall directed it, yeah. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's Frank Marshall. Mr. Kathleen Kennedy, yeah. right? Yeah, so it's got... Nothing about this project felt like 
on paper, when when they were making it, no one was going. Well, this is a disaster. From the from the guy that produced ET, yeah, <laughs> from the writer of Jurassic Park, uh, it's got a quite a good cast. Yeah, it was this is big budget movie. And so, so it's like, often one people bring up to him as if like, oh Congo, and he's like, no, no, Congo wasn't. It wasn't like I've done a mad thing. Congo was like a good career move. Yeah, Congo on paper was was a, was, block, was box office gold. I went to see Congo. I took my whole family to see Congo because they used a snippet of Bruce Campbell in the TV advert. And I was like, Bruce Campbell! I think it was in the days where they'd advertise the TV on Saturday lunchtime and you could go to the cinema yeah. Saturday afternoon. You'd literally eat your lunch and go, we're going to the cinema. And then you'd all get in the car and you'd drive to the cinema and you'd go and see Congo. And he dies in the first fucking ten minutes. <laughs> he doesn't die in the first ten minutes. Uh, you don't know what happens to him in the first ten minutes. You wait the entire film to find out what. And I was, I was like, "Come on, this is a terrible film. We're sitting through it." But Bruce Campbell come back, and at the end, it's just like this sort of like terrible waxwork doll of Bruce Campbell, of him dead. And it's like I waited the entire fucking film for this. Um, and that I think that was around about the same time as Escape from LA. It was it was rough oh, times. Yeah. Mid nineties were rough times for being a Bruce Campbell Whoa. fan. You'd, you'd had you'd had um, you'd had Army of Darkness, and then there was a drought for a long time before you. Flix magazine, like I remember in Flix magazine, it used to be that free uh, free magazine you get in cinemas. Yes, I loved that. Yeah, me too. Oh fucking hell! Oh, um, no, nah, we'll do it okay. in the next episode. But. Um, I remember getting one of those and it having a thing about Escape from LA. And Escape from LA was like, I couldn't wait. And I was like, well, who's in this one? And it was like, all right, Kurt Russell, of course. And you go, yeah. John Carpenter's back. Yeah, John Carpenter's back. <laughs> I can't believe it. John Carpenter's uh, <laughs> Escape from LA with Kurt Russell, uh, Bruce Campbell, Steve, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi, at sort of the height of him being like, and I was like, oh, and he's kept up. He's kept up with all the new guys. And Steve Buscemi also felt like, well, he's a perfect kind of actor to be in yeah. this film. It all just yeah. felt, again, like, oh, chef's kiss. Yeah. Oh, This perfect. is going to be great. Oh, <laughs> and, and also it was like, oh, and you've got a level of satire yeah. where, where they're going to completely tear apart Los Angeles and all the Hollywood elite. They're going to really, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun, this movie. And, it's, oh, and, and the first based... one was set in 1997, and now it is 1997. And, it and, and also it's kind of like, uh, oh, and it's based on the Los Angeles earthquakes, and they were like, whoa, let's do uh, The time is right, John. I mean, there's no way this is going to be bad this there's is no gonna... way it's going to be bad and you watch it absolute dog shit <laughs> i do prefer it to escape from new york i gotta say i prefer it i've got more i've never got on with escape from new york and on that level i don't know I, maybe i don't appreciate it oh i definitely don't well, appreciate i'm sure it. at one point in the future we'll probably have a deep dive into both of them uh yeah i, I know that escape from la is bad but there are but there's enough in it i think I don't want. I love Kurt Russell. He's fucking brilliant oh, in it. Of course, his costume in Escape from L.A. I would say is even more iconic than it is in New York. Um, he looks. He looks so cool in Escape from L.A. Uh, there's so much. Uh, there's good stuff about. Oh God, okay. Well, let's do up. that. Let's do that later. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking no about? No idea. Planes. We had a holiday. Christmas. I went on holiday. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna read out all the films I watched over Christmas. Okay. Right? El Topo. Oh. Nightmare on Elm Street Three. Oh. Glass Onion. Secret Headquarters. Drillbit Taylor. In the Line of Fire. On the Plane. 
that's not that's, a moment. That that's, was on the plane. That's not no. This is this is on the plane. Oh, okay. This is where I start on the plane. On the way out, mm-hmm. where the crawdads sing. Okay. Silent night, bodies, 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 barbarian. On the way back, the protege, which was um, I don't know what that is. Protege. It's got Michael Keaton in it, um, and it's directed by Martin Campbell. Okay. It was it better than it had any right to be. Right. Uh, do you know what? That's one of those things where it looked kind of like a little bit direct. What, to y- what year? The recent. Oh. I think, like, like Michael Keaton learnt, got in really good shape and he learned how to fight. And okay. I and I and it was basically sold on the fact that Michael Keaton is in the best shape of his life. But the, when you actually watch the sequences, they're kind of like very choppily, not like badly edited. But there's a lot of edits. Okay. So I guess you, you could know, have said 1991. I would have gone sure. No, it was like this year, I think right. last year, I think. Uh, the, the protege, do the right thing. Uh, the electrical life of Louis Wayne. Fuck. Resur- <laughs> re- resurrection, Wind River. Uh, I, as a bunch of those films, I just don't know what they are. That's what I watched on the flight back. Well, it was on the flight. I was basically, yeah. I basically, I was, I was picking films almost at random, but also, uh, I'm not going to watch that at home. Right. I, I'm. I'm on this plane for 10 hours, so I'm going to just watch as many as I can. And then when I got back, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 4. On Nightmare the plane? Elm, no, when I got back. Okay. Nightmare on my um, on Friday, my day of rest. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Okay. Um, and then I made loads of notes on all of them, and I think that's all. I was, and then I watched bits of Men in Black and whatever it was, um, and I was away. Um, any of them that you want me to elaborate on? Uh, well, I know in the last one we did mention maybe doing a deep dive in the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I don't know. I still quite fancy persevering, uh, but I watched it. I've had this thing a couple of times where I think that maybe Wes Craven works really well in that kind of really grubby sort of 70s um, horror movie way. But actually, the more I watch stuff where it's it's slightly more polished, I kind of like... I like the casts in it. I just... I don't know. I didn't love it. I was watching it. I watched the um, remake a year or so ago, and I was struck with, with that thing. Like, That's all right. It's just a bit pointless because it actually is very similar to the, the original. Well, and then I watched I the saying. original... And I was a bit like, well, actually, I guess that's right, because I don't think the original is a great movie. I th- uh, <clears throat> Wes Craven's not my guy. No. He's not, he's not my guy. I, I think out of all of the films that I've seen him do, what was the one that I like? Uh, this is very wanky of me. What was the one that was the remake of The Virgin Spring? <laughs> oh, Last House on the Left. Last House, Last House, House yeah. on the Left. I think Last House on the Left is his most effective film. Yeah, I do. I think that's where he, he works. uses He uses a real good juxta- juxtaposition between music and content. So, so, so the images on the film are really disturbing, and he uses this upbeat sort of jazz music in the background that actually makes what you're watching even worse. Mm. And I think that that's really interesting. Um, by the time he gets to Nightmare on Elm Street... I mean, I'm I'm a John Carpenter fan, mm. and I always think that it's funny that you got Wes Craven and John Carpenter, and we had the newsreader uh, 
Uh, John Craven. <laughs> John Craven's news round. Um, and where's Carpenter's? Think, uh, yeah, where's, <laughs> where's Carpenter's where's, news round? Where's Carpenter's weather? Um, <laughs> John Carpenter's John Carpenter's <laughs> news round. No, what is it? <laughs> it's John Carpenter's news round. No, what is it? It's John Craven's news round. And where's, where's Carpenter's weather wrap? Um, yeah. So when it gets to kind of um, nightmare, I don't. I don't know. I think the character of Freddy Krueger worked on me at his best. The very best that Freddy Krueger ever was with me was when I hadn't seen any of the films. Right. And I, because uh, I grew up, I grew up in London in the 80s. Yes. And every time you'd go on the underground, there'd be a Nightmare on Elm Street poster just on the underground of Freddy Krueger. The worst one was three, where he's wearing kind of like this trench coat that he never wears in the movie. And he's not wearing a stripy jumper on the poster. He's got this trench coat and he's sort of like, um, he's almost like bowing. And uh, and it's filled with sort of like smoke. And it's Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. And I remember that so vividly that when you're going around the London Underground, I would be scared about going around a corner in case there was another Freddy Krueger poster. And I couldn't articulate it to my parents. So my parents were just like, why is our kid freaking out on the underground? And it would just be like, I would just... Like closed down, and I would just stare at my feet, and I'd feel very uncomfortable. And um, and I had nightmares, ironically, about Freddy Krueger for years. And then when I eventually saw the film, I was like, "Oh, it's this." Yes. So I've always felt like um, Freddy Krueger is sort of as as. Uh, and I and I what I rewatched four Nightmare on Elm Street films. I I would say Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. As a franchise, it's quite interesting. You have the first film, yeah. which is the classic, and it's got Johnny Depp in it, and it's got like John Saxon. Lots of there. John Saxon's in it. It's got like it's got all the it's got lots of memorable kills in it. It's sort, sort of and it's got the opening credits, which I think is I think it's probably the best bit of the film. I kept watch. I was watching it, going, "This is good." I mean, it's just that there's, there's like there's some really nice ideas in it. But I wasn't, I wasn't in the film. Do you know what I mean? I didn't feel like I was really yeah. involved. I was watching it going, I can see why people would like this. The bits where, like, you've got someone watching someone basically being thrown up and, you know, where you've got their... You've obviously got the turning set of the house and there's the girl being sort of thrown off the walls and things yeah. while, while someone is watching and can't believe it. That seems like... And I quite like the plot that this guy is obviously going to be the suspect and this. I quite... It all kind of hangs together. It's just not... It just wasn't grabbing me at any point. I was like, sure, this is... And there's that bit where it's like, whatever you do, don't go to sleep, Johnny Depp. And it's like, sure... And then it's and like, what's he watching? Uh, God, what is he watching? Evil Dead. Is he watching? He's watching the Evil. He is watching the Evil Dead. So like, the, well, oh, this is that, yes. isn't it? So like, with, with with the way it worked was that in The Hills Have Eyes. Um, did we talk about this? I was in just the last thinking. Episode? Did we talk about this last time? Did Maybe we talk about we did. this last time. Audience, no, you're hearing it again. And then, I think we definitely talked about it last time. But in The Hills Have Eyes, there's a poster of a shark, which everyone remembers as Jaws, but it's not Jaws. It's just a shark. And so, um, and it was almost like uh, Wes Craven was thrown down the gauntlet and was like, you think Jaws was scary, then wait wait until you get a load of these cannibal rapists. And you go, yeah, that is worse. <laughs> it's a lot worse. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then and then it went from it went from the hills have eyes, and then they made Evil Dead. Wasn't that right? Evil yes. Dead did. Evil, what did Evil Dead do? 
Oh. No, hang on. The Evil Dead 2, is it? There's an Evil Dead 2 thing, but isn't there a thing in Evil Dead where... A poster for the Hills of Eyes? No, because it doesn't happen... Yes, there's a poster. So in Evil Dead, there's a poster of the Hills. So they go in the basement and there's a poster for the Hills Have Eyes... Uh, and it's all torn up, like the shark poster is in The Hills Have Eyes, and it's all torn up. And Evil Dead is basically going, you think The Hills Have Eyes is scary? Wait until you get a load of this. And so then in Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Johnny Depp is watching Evil Dead when he falls asleep in bed, and they're like going, you think Evil Dead's scary? Wait until you get a load of Freddy Krueger. And then in Evil Dead 2, they've got Freddy's glove uh, in, uh, in, in the background of a shot when they go into the... I think it's in the workshed, but it might be um, it might be in the in the basement, uh, and you can see Freddy's glove there. And they go, "He's Evil Dead," saying, "You think you're not else was scary? Wait till you get a load of Evil Dead too." And then you see uh, uh, Jason goes to hell, and the Necronomicon's in it, <laughs> uh, the Candarian daggers in it. Uh, and then Freddy Krueger comes along and takes um, Jason Voorhees down into hell right at the end. His glove comes out of the ground and pulls Jason Voorhees. And, and, I don't know, Jason Voorhees... <laughs> Freddy versus Jason... No, what is it called? Jason Goes to Hell is basically saying, you think Nightmare on Elm Street and Evil Dead are scary? <laughs> You're right. Because <laughs> by the ninth, Friday the 13th film, it was absolute dog shit. The, the, I think Nightmare on Elm Street 2... Is brilliant. Okay, I think there's it, it's it's what is affectionately known now as the gay one, and uh, it's got a, it's got a male lead, and there's all this sort of like gay subtext that's going on in it, and uh, and everyone swears blind at the time, they had no idea what mm-hmm. they were making, but when you look at it, that that gay subtext is basically the, it's the text, the text of the film, and it's I think Freddy Krueger looks the be- he looks he's got like. Um, because his makeup changes ever so slightly mm-hmm. in each film, but in that one he's got like a, a he's got like a witch's nose, and his um, his uh, sort of like around his eyes is like very like prominent. His eyes are very sunken. He he looks the most evil he looks, but because they made it, I think less than a year after the first one was released. The first one was released, and then they were like, right, we're making another one, and I think it came out almost like a year to the day, if not less. And so they haven't really worked out what the law is. And so you've got weird stuff like Freddy is hurting people when when everyone's awake. And he's like walking around at a pool party. And it's like, he's, but he's not quite turned into the wisecracking Freddy Krueger. It, it's fucking weird. There's weird stuff that happens in that film. It, but I, I really... I will, I, I think. I, 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 quite like fan, I quite do quite fancy it. And again, not because, like, this is this is the point I was, I was trying to explain to someone recently. I watch films now, not because I think they'll be good, just because I think they might be interesting to either watch them for the first time or to watch them in order or to watch them in a different context. And I often go into watching these films thinking, you know, not necessarily thinking, oh, I want to see that and I want to watch it. Just out of curiosity. Oh, well, I think it's really great, and I also think that it's it's it's, um, it's not just kind of like Wes Craven, kind of because Wes Craven had nothing to do with the second one, um, Freddy's Revenge, uh, but um, Wes Craven was kind of like based Nightmare on Elm Street on this these stories he was hearing about people di- dying in their sleep, and so he, he, it was. About, but I feel like the second one is actually about something, and it's about this teenage boy that's. Like struggling with his sexuality, and um, and 
so so they've made like a sequel that that actually is has content to it as well it's not just about like the scares and i think that as a franchise it's kind of like a disappointing franchise because it doesn't really live up to its uh, potential and i think freddy krueger is overrated and if I, I i would pick michael myers and jason Voorhees out of them three they're always lumped together mm-hmm. i would pick i would pick jason Voorhees over freddy in terms of like i just think as a character he works better mm. i don't know um i think freddy krueger is overrated um right well we're 56 minutes into it it's time for some fan mail um we'll do nightmare on street another time i yeah? think as well with the fan mail I just wanted to point something out that um, I think was going to come up in one of your fan mails, but I was going to bring it up early uh, that I thought was probably worth checking, where I had a message on Instagram uh, from the uh, comedy podcast devotees account who said to me, in the Christmas episode, you say your email is jcasnickandnat at gmail.com. Is that right? As the last ones were Nick and Nat JCAS at gmail.com. And of course he's right. So if you to to avoid any confusion, I just want to be good to point out that yes, in the last one we said the email was uh JCAS, Nick and Nat at gmail.com. That's J C A S. J C A S N I C K A N D N A T at symbol <laughs> G M at gmail.com and to spell that out G-M-A-I-L.com Meet free Mondays, yeah. But don't write that down. Whatever you do, don't write that down. That was wrong. That's wrong. Don't remember that. Because the actual email is Nick and Nat J C A S at gmail.com, which is N-I-C-K-A-N-D-N-A-T-J-C-A-S at symbol G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. So that's, that's, uh, that's how you remember that, it. So it's not J-C-A-S at Nick and Nat. J-C-A-S not at Nick and Nat. Ignore that as well. J-C-A-S Nick and Nat at gmail.com, which we said in the last episode. That's not the email address. The email address is Nick and Nat JCAS at gmail.com. So I'm sure that's much clearer now for everyone. I'm sorry, I was reading ahead, um, so I missed what you just said. Oh, but just, just to recap you, just in case. The, okay. Right, um, just in case Nat's dropped the ball, uh, I guess I'm here. Uh, to sort it all out. Um, mm-hmm. it, so to clarify what Nat was trying to get across, it's yeah. not J-C-A-S-N-I-C-K-A-N-D-N-A-T at G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. It's not that. Don't write that down. It's N-I-C-K-A-N-D-N-A-T-J-C-A-S at... G M A I L dot C O M. That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, that's, so. what, that's what it is. And also, we're going to do a new segment as well. Uh, so, um, um, I, I, I'm going to be your resident uh, agony uncle. Oh yeah. And so, um, so uh, if you've got any, if you've got any uh, advice that you need, uh, just uh, write in, and uh, I'll, I'll help you out. Uh, same address. Mm-hmm. 
just once more, in case you're confused. So it's the same address. So don't, same address. You don't then put that to the previous address you made. But what you don't, mean, yeah, same address, but if it's any advice that you need, uh, just uh, put in the subject um, uh, box, uh, touching tips. Touching tips, that's it. Uh, and that and address I'll, is... And I'll be touching tips with you next week. <laughs> That's N-I-C-K-A-N-D-M-A-T-C-A-S-A-T-G-M-A-I-L-C-O-M. Thanks, Paul. That's for both touching tips and for any other any correspondence. Fan, fan, fan mail. Fan mail, I suppose. Oh, no. Thanks, um, Paul. Thanks, thanks, thanks for popping in. I'd go down the rope ladder if I was you. <laughs> oh, he slipped. <laughs> he slipped on the rope. Oh. oh, dear. He's getting on. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, let's, Brian. Let's get going. Okay, fan meal number one for the new year. Kicking things off ever so slightly for 2023. Great to see... Brackets here, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you sound like you got a bit of a cold there, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So great to see. Yeah. You're both back in my ears. I sometimes imagine being able to erase a film I love from my mind, just to be able to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see. You can't. Why, why on earth, Chris? Have you not got? Have you not got the? Well, I'll have to. I wrote a set up an email. I have to set up an email Hopefully, enjoying it on the same level. That's all you got to say. Hopefully, enjoying oh. it on the same level. Just a oh, great. We got to start it. Great to see. Yeah. You both back in my ears. I sometimes imagine being able to erase a film I love from my mind, just to be able to watch it again. Hoping to do, uh, see it with the same level. I think the one I would start with would be Jaws. I'd like to erase that from my mind so I can see it again for the first time. Which films would you both choose? Okay, so this is a film that we're both familiar with that you'd like the experience of watching it again for the very first time. The experience of watching it again for the very first time. I wonder, because there's lots of things recently. I mean, this seems like a silly thing to... Well, there's lots of films that I have kind of grown up with. Star Wars, probably a good example, of something which I have no idea when I first saw it. It just seems to be sort of part of my kind of thinking. And it's, it feels like there was never a time when I... I don't have a story when I first watched it. I just watched it at some point. I didn't watch any of the Star, Star Wars films when I was uh, a kid. Right. I watched them when I was uh, like 12. Oh, Okay. So I'd already started secondary school. Uh, like uh, I don't think they, they were repeated on TV that that much. No. I know I'd seen. I I I think I there was a point where I really wanted to see Return of the Jedi, and I didn't know the difference between Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes. Like in my head, they were the same thing, right. and I didn't know which was the third one or what. And so I tried to. Um, I think I rented out uh, what I thought was. Return of the Jedi, which was the Empire Strikes Back, and I watched that, and I was like, well, it's not that one, so I rented out the next one. And then, you know, so I had to... It, back in those days, Star Wars wasn't... Star Wars wasn't cool in, like <laughs> it is now. Uh, but Star Wars, sort of like, after Return of the Jedi, we had two cartoon series that were pretty shit on TV, uh, Ewoks and Droids. And basically by the mid-'80s, Star Wars was dead, and it was just He-Man, mm -hmm. and then Thundercats, and then Turtles, and then... 
Uh, and then Star Wars sort of started making a, its way back in the 90s. When they had the 20th anniversary, really, wasn't it? It was that sort of... Well, that no, that just a, a bit before, but I think they had an eye on the 20th anniversary. I think it was... They, they brought out, like, a sequel uh, trilogy, um, which was basically the... Uh, Timothy Zahn wrote some sequel books uh, that were set, like, with Luke and uh, Han yeah, and yeah. Leia... And their kids, and that was that, like lots of books started coming out in the nineties because George Lucas was basically trying to keep it alive without yeah. making any films. By by the sort of mid to late eighties, the Marvel comic that had been going from like the original Star Wars had been cancelled, and Marvel just weren't interested in it anymore. They they and then the license for comics ended up being and it Dark went, Horse. It went comics. Up to Dark Horse was Dark Horse was like a little independent. Yeah, it's a comic. little independent, and I think those comics when they come out were selling about you know thirty thousand copies or something, and like it worldwide. Dark, it wasn't massive. Dark Empire was like the big one, and mm. then Dark Empire two. I remember reading, and there was Tales from the. Gen- I remember like in the in the in the nineties when I first started getting early nineties. It, it was a cult thing. I first more started than a, getting back into Star Wars. The only toys you could find in Toys R Us were Bendems, which were these really rubbish, bendy figures that had like a wire, like King Kong, like yeah. it was just a wire skeleton with rubber coating it. They, they were rubbish, and um, yeah, it's back to be like a cult thing rather than a mainstream big was, thing that everyone. Made. It was dead, and then and then they made basically they made like this big push for I can't remember was it Shadows of the Empire. Uh, and it was this uh, multimedia. Um, oh, right, yeah. It was basically it was a movie without being a movie. So they had a comic book, they had a computer game, they had action figures. They probably had some sort of like card games and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Loads of stuff that you could collect. And it was everything that would surround a movie without it being a movie. And then that sort of brought Star Wars back to life. And then when. Um, he knew that he was going to make the prequels, and so to get people back interested in the prequels and to test the technology, they did the special editions in 1997 where they re-released it all in cinema. But equally, I remember that being a thing at the time where they didn't even... I think there was a, a point where they didn't even know they would release them in cinemas. They were talking about maybe it would be a thing that came out of video, and there seemed to be such demand, like, oh, no, put them out of the cinema. But I think that was a real surprise hit for them. Well, I think they did really well. Though, I, so. In 1990, I was 16 in 97. So, um, you know, and I was uh, I was fucking. That's what I was doing. Um, no, I wasn't. I was collecting Tazos. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Tazos? Yeah, yeah, got them in packets of Quavers. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I've, I've got the I've still got the I've still got the booklet somewhere. I've still got the quavers. I've, still, I've got all the tazos. You've got like these round cardboard pages. That you'd like. I've got them. I've got them all. And yeah, fucking, hell, I loved Star Wars when I was. I still I loved them. I loved Star Wars up until about three weeks ago. I don't know. Wow. I, I loved it. Oh God, never mind. Um, so you'd pick Star Wars? I think maybe something like one of those films that I can't even remember not watching. Like like something where most films of that era that I love, I've got a, uh, I've got a kind of. In fact, a lot of that stuff I probably just watched on TV. There's but there's so much that Jaws, Star Wars. I couldn't tell you when I first watched them. I I must have watched them on TV, or someone would have had a video or so, something. So do you know what I I would say for that reason I wouldn't pick any of those. I would say my probably my my favorite ever cinema experience mm-hmm. was. When I was 13, I was either 13 or 14, 
And my mum and dad took me to see True Lies. And I wasn't old enough because it was a 15. Mm -hmm. And we sat on the second row of uh, the UCI in Hatfield. And the screen was huge. Like, you'd have to turn your head to look from left to right. And when Arnold Schwarzenegger's name came up, I was such a huge Arnie fan. I loved him. I still do. But like, I loved him so much. And when his name came up, you'd have to, like, move your head from left to right to read it. We were that close. Yeah. And True Lies was one of them films where it was a comedy, but it had kind of, like, grown-up jokes in it. Was True Lies a 15 or a 12? It was a 15. 15. Um, and it was... Uh, it came out... It, it was just... It was weird, because just as Schwarzenegger was cooling down, that's when Stallone was really, like... I think Stallone's 90s output... With no Rambos, no Rockies. Yeah. His 90s output were fucking brilliant. There was yeah. like a Stallone film every year. You'd go to the cinema. They were, all, they were all bangers, right? I loved them. And then you'd mix it up with a bit of Escape from L.A. or Congo, right? But, like, <laughs> it was, it was, Stallone was fucking great. And, uh, and, and Schwarzenegger only had, like, a few good ones in the 90s, really. But True Lies, I didn't know where it was going. I thought there was a real meanness to some of the violence in it, which I quite... I found dangerous and a bit scary at that age. I was mm. like, oh, God. And so I, I knew that it was like a fun film, but I didn't necessarily know that I was in safe hands. And it was a really nice experience to be kind of like, I'm really enjoying this. I'm going along for the ride. Another one that was like that was Die Hard with a Vengeance, where I absolutely fucking bloody loved I took my mum to go and see that. Um, I, I think I'd already seen it, and then, or, or maybe my mum took me for the first time. And, and I was, I, I, it was a fifteen. I was old enough for that, I think. And um, I think I, it's arguably the best one. It was so good. I, it was. So, I, um, I know. Die Hard's I think great. It, it is. Die Hard Two is good. Like Die Hard Two is yes, really good. Yes, it is. The first three are but, all solid. But Die with a Vengeance was. It's got Samuel L. Jackson in it, who. Um, I, you know what? I, when I was away, he's in the protege and he's in Do the Right Thing. And Do the Right Thing, he's like a baby. And in the protege, it was made like last year. And so I, I, on the plane, on the same flight, I saw, and I didn't know he was in both of them either. I didn't know he was in either of them. And so I watched them back to, I watched Protege and then I watched Do the Right Thing. And it was like, oh my God, he's incredible. Uh, he's like an international treasure, isn't he? And mm. I don't think that he gets enough love. Like, I, I know that he's famous and all of that stuff, but he's been around for fucking decades. He's fucking brilliant, he, you know. And he's in some of the best films ever made. He's in Goodfellas. He's in Jurassic Park, you know. He's yes, in The yes, Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. He's fucking great. He's in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> you know. Um, he, he's, he's fucking brilliant. Anyway, so um, so I really love Dial with the Bench. And, and again, the, the other one I went to see with my mum was Speed. And we fucking left that cinema. We were, like, on cloud nine when we left oh, it. Oh, God, that was it. I remember being... Like, it was a film where, like, I was so pumped after I'd seen it. It was so good. And my mum was in love with Jeff Daniels. And Jeff Daniels has got the best face when he dies. Spoilers. But, like, the, just... Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, like, he has the best, like, oh, fuck kind of face. Um, and he was meant to be the bad guy for a long time, and then and then they changed it. But um, I don't know if this is the yeah. I I agree. All these cinema experiences. I I also saw these films at the cinema. Jaws and Star Wars are part of my DNA, mm. and it's like I know them. I know those films so well, and I and I still love watching them. I still love going back and watching them. Yeah, and and I can't say that about many films now. I but those are films that I really love rewatching. The films... I don't need to feel the way I did because I still love watching them now. Right. 
and it's not necessarily a film that's got a twist in it, you know? Yeah, I think this probably answers the question better, doesn't it? Like, films that you saw for the first time and were really, like, incredible kind of cinema Speed was absolutely fucking mind-boggling. What was the film? I, I watched a film recently that had a jump in it where something was jumping over a ravine. Oh, I don't what know. What did I watch? It'll be in my I would say films for, that I watched. For me, the similar films that you're talking about would be things like Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, which I saw when I was 10, and it was a 12. And I remember always desperately wanting to see it and looking up whether it was a 15 or a 12 for months. And some people started listing it as a 15, and I was like, I can't see it, can't see it. And then they invented 12s, and I was 10. And it was just... And by the time I saw it, I'd already seen a pirate video of it, like the week before of batman right and then i saw it and i remember getting in and getting past you know yeah getting past the guys and it's starting and watching another so the whole thing did have that sort of real slightly forbidden thing about it and it was a bit darker than you know most pg so it felt a bit more violent and and similarly the first 18 film i saw at the cinema was um interview with a vampire which I think you kind of go into that thinking, oh, it's a vampire, it's a horror film, mm. and expecting it was going to be really scary. <laughs> and then being like, oh, it kind of isn't. It's just kind of like a, a you know, it's just a drama with vampires. Yeah. <laughs> it? It's not really hard. But that was still, again, very exciting, watching those kind of movies. Yeah. I, 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 I remember what I was going to say as well about Speed, was that um, I watched Temple of Doom, which has never been my favourite Indiana Jones mm-hmm. film. I, like... You know, um, I love uh, Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like... I, well, I love Raiders, but um, I love Last Crusade. And I actually hate Temple of Doom. Uh, uh, I forced myself to watch it the other day, uh, I, and I really liked it. Uh, I think we can talk about it another time. Yeah. I th- but there's a bit in the minecart sequence mm-hmm. where there's the gap in the track... And the minecart jumps the track, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a gap, and then they and it's you know that minecart sequence is is uh, is much better than I remember it being. But it's a combination of like um, green screen, miniature effects work, you know, uh, uh, practical effects, uh, the actors being there, the actors not being. There, do you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a con- there's like all of these bits where they seamlessly put together this thing, and when you watch the minecart jump. It's kind of like you go, that's great. and it, But it's also quite quaint because you can see the joins, you know. You can see how they did it. And I think what, it's like it's like um, when I watched Speed, you know, there was a lot that almost all of the publicity and all the promotional stuff was about the bus jumping over the freeway. Mm-hmm. So when you went to see it, it was like, yeah, yeah, basically I've seen it already. Um, and at the time I was sort of like, well, we've seen that. In other films, that sort of thing. Oh no, the freeways are. Oh no, the minecart is going to have to jump over there. It's in um, *The Man with the Golden Gun* with the slide mm-hmm. whistle. You know, it's a thing that we've seen. And so when I was watching it, I was like, I don't appreciate. Uh, you know, um, I've seen this, been there, done that. I've seen that. The bit when the bus jumps in speed is almost like the low point of the movie because mm-hmm. it's like I've seen that before. Give me something new. But what I didn't appreciate, which I appreciated after I saw the minecart sequence in Indiana Jones, is it's not that they're offering something new. It's that they are taking a tried and tested gag and perfecting it. And that bus jump is like... uh, So 
when was uh, Temple of Doom? Eighty-five, eighty-four. So, um, so you had like Temple of Doom, and then ten years later, Speed came out in nineteen ninety-four, and they do the bus jump. And ten years on, they've they've perfected that gag. And it's not the fact that it's uh, something new that you've not seen before. It's the fact that this is the best it's ever been, and it's all practical. There's no, it's not CGI. It's like they've really they've made a miniature bus, which a miniature bus. It was still like twenty feet long. And they launched it over this thing, and it, and and um, and that's what's great about it. Mm. And I think you know, I think we were really fucking. And I'm not not to be like an old fucking cunt about it, but like I think we were so spoiled growing up. And then I was just I I always thought my decade, if I could have been born any time, I would have liked to have been born in uh, 19. 60 so that i was a teenager in the 70s mm. and that, that's all my favorite music is like it's, it's a lot of my favorite films but i actually feel really grateful yeah. that i grew up i was a teenager in the i hated the 90s i hate everything about the 90s I hate the fashion i hate uh, the politics i hate um uh <laughs> I hated being bullied at school. I hated school. You know, I hated the nineties. It was awful. The only thing that I got that got me through the nineties was going to the cinema. I'd go to the cinema on my own. Went to see the Flintstones by myself. That was a dark day. <laughs> went to see Stargate by myself. You know, I went. To, I, 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 and I'd go to the cinema every week. I'd, I could walk to the cinema. It was a mile away from my house. I'd walk to the cinema. I'd go and see a film on London Road in St Albans, and I'd walk home again. And I'd, or I'd go to the comic shop. And, I, and the nineties was. For me the best decade for, for cinema you had all those monster movies like the relic and uh, uh and species and and you know obviously jurassic park but like it's also i mean i guess this is what this show will end up becoming but i think it's probably worth highlighting a lot of these ones that were really good i'm not interested in telling you about the ones that are terrible but some of them i just think have fallen away and it's like that was a really good movie yeah i i just um i just i just think we were just really lucky and um and uh, i do i think now when i watch films from the 90s there's films when you're going to see things a big i think i've maybe mentioned this before but i watched a couple of years ago i watched apollo 13 apollo 13 was a big movie in the 90s and it was kind of big in a sort of oscarsy movie and it felt like a big movie anyway and it was a big kind of sort of special effects movie and it had a bit of everything and i remember going to see it and being a bit like yeah, it was good, you know, it's uh, like, what, four styles or something? It was good, I liked it. And it's when you watch a lot of these movies now, in com- like, and it's Die Hard Ka- with a Vengeance. It's got Kathleen Quinlan Yeah, it. It's got five stars from me. <laughs> but like, Die Hard with a Vengeance is another good example, well, the way they talk about it. And when you watch them now, you go, God, that film's phenomenal. If that film came out last year, it would be like, people would be losing their minds. We didn't, have, we didn't have the internet. They said, yeah. we're making a film called Speed, and it's, yeah. and it's got Keanu Reeves in it, and it's an action movie set on a bus. And, and it Keanu was just like, Reeves but, is the guy who's like the Bill and Ted. He's Bill and Ted. And, it, <laughs> and it's got Keanu Reeves, and it's set on a bus. And I was like, what, what's this shit? <laughs> like, this sounds bollocks. That's all you had to go on. It's called Speed. It's set on a bus. And it's got Keanu Reeves in it, and it's an action film. And I thought it was about Keanu Reeves being some sort of, like, bus cop that was trying to stop teenagers from selling each other speed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I... In my head, that's what Makes I had sense. concocted. When you... Like, the fact that Keanu Reeves cut his hair and he was the lead of an action film... Before Nicolas Cage did the switch, it oh. was like... It was absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, uh- 
Keanu Reeves' haircut was a thing that was discussed. It was, it, it was, it was <laughs> fucking disgusting. Bullies. He followed up speed with, what was that fucking Johnny Mnemonic? Johnny and Mnemonic. Like, and then, and, and then Johnny he, Mnemonic, when, he, when Johnny Mnemonic came out, Johnny Mnemonic was a big movie because speed had come out. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and, but Johnny Mnemonic was absolute shit. And then when they said he's making The Matrix, and we were, what's that about? It's like, it's a future movie, it's a bit like Johnny Mnemonic. It was like, oh, what's he one. doing? <laughs> what is he doing? Oh, fucking hell. Like, like, um, ah, oh, fucking hell! He was so like I love ah oh, fuck. I mean, Speed, genuinely, I would Speed say Speed was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like you got you got Joe Morton in it as the cop uh, and he, as, as the chief, and mm-hmm. he was out of fucking Terminator Two. Then you got Dennis Hopper in it, like, and he's the guy that's out of fucking Super Mario Brothers. Then you got <laughs> uh, Sandra Bullock in it; she's the one that's out of Demolition Man. Then you got Keanu Reeves. It was uh, you got Jeff Daniels out of Dumb and Dumber in it. You got fucking. It was like it was like oh my god! It was. No, Alan Ruck on it. It was you fucking have. out of it was Cameron out of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was like they were war- you got the you got the guy that's got the fast car who was out of um he went on to do Showgirls and Speed Two, but oh, wasn't God. he in well, I'm look well that's up. the other thing. I think I also think for people of our generation, it felt like that was when Keanu Reeves became a movie star. But I think for our generation, we already liked Keanu Reeves. We were already kind of a bit invested in him off the back of things like the Bill and Ted movies. But Speed, I remember Yann de Bont. Yann de Bont? Yann de Bont felt like... A, when, after y- that film Yann came de Bont, out, Yann de Bont was like... You know who Yann de Bont is? He's a cinematographer, he's a cinematographer on, on Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> That's fucking hell. But I thought, like, and this was, you know, this was Die Hard on a Bus. Yeah. But, but it was after that film came out, I remember going, like I would have said then in, in 1995, well, Yander Bont, he's probably one of the, the hottest directors at the time in, in Hollywood. And whatever he did next would be absolutely huge. And the it ended up being a twister. twister. Which, looking back on it. Yeah, looking back. You, you go, go, fucking hell, <laughs> Twister's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, it felt like there were so many things like that coming Twister out every the, week. Twister is not a masterpiece. No, but there was films like that coming out every week. But Twice or two of them say, a week. Two a say, week. I would say, by the, but, don't, but the special effects were special. Yeah. You know? And Twister was like, well, hang on a minute. This is, this is going to be... Uh, that was when... That was like the bad part of the 90s, I think, when they were like... They brought back disaster movies, and it was like, "Oh, we're going to do volcano. Oh, we're going to do volcano. We're going to do." Well, Stallone did it as well. He did Daylight, and it was like, "Okay, right." The Die Hard films are basically disaster movies. The first one is The Towering Inferno. Yeah. The second one is Airport. The third one is Earthquake. You know, and it's like you, you you've got a, a disaster movie setting, and you've made it into an action. I movie. would say that Die Hard is a really good nineteen eighties movie. I think it's it, I think it's a really good example of it and one you watch but you watch it in the spirit of something and you go this still feels like a very 80s movie and so does Die Hard 2 they're both very good examples I think the third Die Hard movie feels ultra modern still in a way that the other two don't Yeah I think it feels like a film that would you wouldn't have to update any of it and it would feel quite well, the camera work is a lot more handheld, and it feels a lot more. You can you like, yeah. like at the end, um, but I love. Have it. you ever seen the alternative ending? Yeah, it's bonkers. I don't like, like it. That's the first one that they shot. What were they fucking thinking? 
um, they play Russian roulette with a rocket launcher. Yeah, basically, John McClane, basically, uh, cop, New York cop, turns up in Moscow with a rocket launcher. Like, like the film ends, right? <laughs> the bad guys get away with it, and then that's it. And then, and then, as a pro, as a as a prologue at the end, epilogue. an epilogue, an epilogue. Um, uh, John McClane, New York cop, turns up in Moscow with a rocket launcher, and decides he's going to play Russian roulette with Jeremy Irons using a rocket launcher. And of course, ends up uh, shooting Jeremy Irons with a rocket launcher, and that was the end of this film. Which again feels the film, like I was saying, feels ultra modern. And there's something about them, you know, getting in that uh, that helicopter and riding off, which is a much better ending than having him come up in a kind of that's that's fully like John McClane becoming the like ending, the superhero. Th- that's the the only problem with Died with a Vengeance is the ending, because the ending for Die Hard Two is incredible. And he says, yippee no, they've they've got it right. In Die Hard, they say yippee motherfucker, almost in passing. Mm. It's not like the thing that it became. And then in the second one, they nail it. He says it, and then he lights the trail, yeah. and then the plane blows up, and it's like, yeah, the end. It's fantastic. What a yeah. finale. And then Die with a Vengeance, the whole film is great. And then they shit the bed right in the last fucking two minutes. But it's better than what it could have been. Um, yeah, I fucking anyway. So, so and and like, speed was so good that even the fucking guy that wrote it became famous. Graham Yost. Yes, he went on to direct Broken Arrow. Wasn't it? Was uh, that no, also he went on to write Broken Arrow, what? which was which was yes. kind of like billed as like um, you know from the writer of Speed. And then uh, when I saw Broken Arrow at the cinema. I thought it was the best film I had ever seen. My brain exploded. I, I, you know, the week before I'd seen Judge Dredd, I thought that was the best film ever made. You know, um, oh, I just loved it. And I don't think it's just—I don't think it's just nostalgia. I think it no. was like at the time, I fucking it got me. It, it got me out. It, 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 it again. I just—I had this thing again. Going back, we've been too nostalgic now. But I had seen at the London BFI London Film Festival. I had seen. Desperado, and that I would say that is the greatest cinema experience I ever had. Desperado looked, was on when I was on holiday, and I watched go. it last week. And I watched it. I watched it over lockdown. At that film, I th- I just think it is probably the sexiest film ever made. <laughs> it is absolutely stunning. It is Desperado, and that's one of the films with continuity errors. You can see the joints. Yeah. It's Robert Rodriguez with a camera, and he's like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care, and it's just sort of like, and he just pastes this film together, and it's fucking brilliant. I love the fact that there's a subplot where you see the life cycle of a henchman. Yes, where at the beginning he's like does an audition where he's in a fight, and then you see him all the way through, and then he gets killed at the end, and it's like you see. I just think I it's think it's like, perfect. You I got the Texan a... guy, yeah, uh, who's like a bit of a doofus, and it's like. And it's kind of like that is normally the sidekick role that would be reserved for a Mexican, you know, in, yes. a, in a Hollywood movie. And uh, Robert Rodriguez has like reversed it and gone, no. And uh, he's gone, no one knows fuck all about Mexico, so I'm going to make it like the fucking Wild West. And that's what, and I it's saw, just brilliant. So I, that movie yeah. was 95. Hell, um, Antonio Banderas, off the back of that, you cannot see that film in 1995 and come out and go, well, Antonio Banderas is like the coolest guy in the world, I thought, in. Off the back of that movie. Yeah. And then I remember well, seeing do, it. Do you know that that role specifically is what got him the part in Expendables 3? Oh, really? No, okay. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> well, he... It uh, was Assassins. So then, well, Assassins, uh, 
so I'd already seen Desperado at that point. And then I remember in Flicks magazine, here's a, here's a month for you in Flicks. I think Assassins came out October, either the 6th, I think, or 13th or something, whatever that year was. And uh, 1995, 96? Yeah. And, uh, and I remember seeing it going, oh, my God, there's a movie coming out with Stallone and Antonio Banderas as two duelling assassins off the back of Desperado. I was like... Directed by Richard Donner? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, fucking, what's that song in it? Nobody loves me. Yeah. That, that's playing all the way through it. And I was just like, that song's a banger. It was, in retrospect, it was it was written by the Wachowskis um, so before The Matrix and Bound and all that. But, like, oh, fuck. Assassin's, that's such an exciting Assassin's movie. Was so good. And I went to see it, and I thought it was, like, really grown up. And uh, 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 the bit when he's, like, walking through the, the swamp with his boots on and he's got to uh, kill the guy, it's kind of like a real downbeat, grown-up. This is an adult, grown-up film. And I remember watching the whole film going, I don't know who's going to win. I yeah. don't know who's yeah, going to win. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you watch it, yeah. you go, Antonio Banderas is awful in it. I, I think he's pretty, he's yeah. like, he's got this huge, he's like overacting the fuck out of it. And you go, yeah, all right, right. He's not as cool as he is in Desperado. But I fucking, I gen, genuinely, I didn't know what was going to happen next. Okay. And I remember in that issue of Flicks, the other film I was excited about that month, I think it was a, either a week before or a week after it, I was like, Assassins. God, I can't wait for that. Well, I'm going to be going to cinema two weeks running because you know on the following week was uh, you Grant's nine months another film that I was <laughs> extraordinarily excited by. Oh well, oh, I can't wait for this. Well, you guys don't know <laughs> before the fucking internet. Fucking, you used to get you used to get you used to get a uh, fucking um, and uh, it would be like the March edition of Empire magazine and it would have a VHS <laughs> stuck on the front of it and you would get it and it was just like an trailers. hour of trailers and you would just watch all the trailers and I would have a, a I would have a, a notepad next to me and I would make a list of all the films that I was going to go and see. And fucking hell, it was so fucking exciting. It had a you VHS just sit down, stuck to it of an hour watch, of trailers. You just watch all the trailers. It was brilliant. <laughs> the, the 90s were the fucking best. It was so good. There was a, there was a good... Like, everyone makes a load of stuff about 1999, how, like, there was a good film out every single week of, of the whole year of 1999. Um, arguably the best year in cinema. But I would say, the 90, I was never bored in the 90s. No. The, you know, right from, right from, I would say, The Fugitive onwards, I was like, yeah, I am all in. This is the, the best. The other thing that Speed did, I remember. Can I just uh, oh, say that we're probably going to go to see Picture House, uh, Rashomon at the Picture House. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, this just finishing this off, maybe, is that I remember it being a thing where, off the back of Speed, they're going... Well, you know, Keanu Reeves has done this film and he sort of proved himself to be a big action star. And they did a big feature that was about Keanu Reeves' film Chain Reaction, the Christian Slater film Hard Rain, and Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible. And it was about how can these kind of weakling actors be in action movies? Because at the time it it was insane that these guys who weren't Stallone or Schwarzenegger being the lead in action movies. Yeah. And it was seen as this thing that was like crazy, like these guys, they, they can't do this. And it just, when those films came out, it all changed. And it was like the writing was on the wall then. And even, for, but even when Nicolas Cage did The Rock in 1995, yeah. it was like, he is not 
um, the hero. Mm. You know, it, he is obviously, but like it's a Sean Connery movie, and and Nicolas Cage is in it. And is it okay? It's a Nicolas Cage movie, but Nicolas Cage isn't like the. Uh, it's the Sean Connery action movie, and you've got thespian. Nicholas Cage is in it, and he's doing the thing. It was when he did Con Air that he really got like yeah. jacked up, and it was just and like was I'm doing this. The other one was, was Kiss of Death. Yeah, when right. in Kiss of Death, he's a sort of supporting character, and that was a thing at the time where it was like, oh my god, Nicholas Cage has done like a, um, um, almost like a De Niro, and bulked up and was suddenly this sort of big muscly guy in this. Uh, uh, Who else was in Kiss of Death? David I, Caruso. I, I've never seen it. was a David, David, David Caruso, Caruso remaking like a 40s noir film. David Caruso was in Kiss of Death and then he did Jade, Jade. which was like this erotic thriller from. Was it Joe Estrez did yeah. it? Yeah. And they were two films. <laughs> and you're thinking, the last person I want to see naked is <laughs> David Caruso. Whereas no, Michael Douglas, yes, please. <laughs> um, I feel we've gone too far down a rabbit hole. I feel like this is this is exact moments like this that you miss, Natalie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> An hour and a half into the, into the fucking We've just record. been thrown off by the first question in a fan mail, <laughs> which has made us go on a nostalgic talk about having VHSs stuck to magazines. But that was mad, was, now I think about it. <clears throat> magazines that had a whole VHS stuck to the cover. Well, I've just been back to... I've just been back to St Albans it wasn't Flicks uh, no it wasn't uh, it wasn't Empire and it wasn't Total Film there was a third Hot movie. Dog was it? Mm, I, I got a copy of uh, Escape uh, Assault on Precinct 13 uh, on the, the on, on the front of a oh mm. Total Film Empire <coughs> Yeah, there was Hot Dog for a while, which was a slightly cooler one. I it, think it was it may sort been, of... It may be... Well, cool, but it didn't last long. No, it was it Hot Dog. Um, I don't think it was Hot Dog. I think it was... Um, yeah. I don't answers think, on a postcard. Answers on a postcard. If you know, send in your answers to... to N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-N-
Wow, why didn't we open with this? So, are you joking? No, it's a great thing, isn't it? Yeah, right? Okay, yeah? Yeah. Right, do you want to look at it or should yeah, I read, read from it? it? Read it. Read from it. Okay, so introduction. So this was, I was 10. And it's basically, when it's done, it's a little book that's been folded over from, is that A4 into A5? No, no bigger, I think, I slightly think, bigger. I think we used to have these little topic project books. And, and then so it's, it's, got, it's these... got like a little thread. Yeah, like I, it's very schooly. So it's got a, a, um, a hole punched through the middle. And it's got one of those things that's like, you'll know it if you saw it. It's essentially a little bit of string with two, two metal tags, two on, metal tags on it that kind of hold it all together. Um, it's a little film project so by it's like Nick Hell. Half of A4, so it's like an A5. So this is 1991. So you would be 11. No, I was 10. 10. I was 10. I was. It was because I was October, so this was July. Um, basically, I went back and I found like a box of all my stuff, and we've just gone through it. And I'm going to have a look through some of that stuff. In a there's minute. like uh, I did like a project <laughs> on Dracula, puppet Dracula. Yeah, it says on it. I haven't read it, but it's like uh, basically all my life I've been interested in films and <laughs> vampires and monsters and stuff. And I've just found this thing, and so this is my project book from when I was ten. I've only got it because we talk about nostalgia, right? Oh yeah, but this feels like gold. Okay, introduction. I decided to do my own topic on films because I wanted to, and then I've, um, I've, I've, I'm just doing joined up writing for the mm-hmm. first time. So uh, what used to be, like, if you got a word wrong, mm-hmm. you'd put a cross on either side of it and then you'd do it again, right, instead of deleting it. Or they said, don't scribble it out. You put a little cross and then a cross on the other side and then the teacher knows that you're not going to read that bit. I'm explaining it to you at home because I'm just letting you know. So I decided to do my own, t- uh, my own topic on films because I wanted to find out more about them. Yes. I have tried to make this book as interesting as I could. This is back in the day when you have to write something, and so you're basically <laughs> just treading water. I feel like trying to make it as interesting as you can is some advice that could be applied to this show. I have to... No, fuck off. <laughs> this is interesting. No, this is good. I, but we have, like, basically... I mean, we've done this after 100 minutes. We've, 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 we've hit upon something that feels like, this is good. Uh, do you think? Yeah. Do you think this is another episode? Whoa. That gong says. Uh, what does the what was that rank organisation? <laughs> the man from the rank organisation put in. Uh, I've tried to make this book as interesting as, but basically the new format for this show is that we talk for two hours about stuff and we never get round to what we were planning on. Um, uh, this book as interesting as I could. I also did this topic because I enjoy watching them, especially comedy. Like Spaceballs, Three Amigos, and Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, oh, lovely stuff. And you know what? Still like the films. Yeah. That's lovely stuff. Uh, I would also like to become an actor or a director. Oh. Done and done. Oh. <laughs> tick, tick. Uh, I have put in this book a few things about films and filmmaking so that the reader gets an idea of the world of the cinema. Oh, wow, so it's an instruction book that you've written it. I hope you enjoy my topic, Nick Helm, and then I've signed it underneath, but before I knew how to sign it, and I dated it, 26th and the 7th, 1991. Oh, this is good stuff. That's page one. And then page two is a drawing of Charlie Chaplin. It is, done that. yeah. And then it's history. History of cinema. Now you don't want me to read all this out, right? No, but no. I'd maybe let's let's not do the history. But let's so let's read ahead <laughs> and see if it actually is worth reading out um, in the next week. 
Okay. And so I've done... Maybe we'll do a, a chapter a week. Maybe we'll work out... Maybe what we'll do in future weeks is Nick Helm's History of Cinema. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I've done like the history of cinema. So um, I've done both sides, a uh, page of A5, both sides. So it looks like it's beginning with the silent era, is it? Yes, yeah, so it starts with the silent era. Oh, lovely stuff. Early days. So I've done a picture oh. of Charlie Chaplin. And on the next page, Early I've done days. a picture of, who is he? It's King Kong. The only fucking King Kong. And I've even written, it stars Fay Ray. Oh. I've drawn Fay Ray in his hand. Yeah. It's got King Kong written above. So that's that. And then I'm still talking about... Uh, I think there's five I hope paragraphs. you got a good mark for this. Um, I don't know what I got. And then, okay, the next bit is my best film, brackets, so far. <laughs> I can't do it. So far. So far. Okay, and that was written on the 19th of June, 1991. Okay? Uh, my best film, back in, uh, back in those days. 1991. Best film, 1991. <laughs> I don't know. It's only fucking Dick Tracy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> My best it's film. It's a good film. Now, right, I'm ten, and I have written... Uh, uh, My best film... Shall I read this bit out? Yeah. My best film is Dick Tracy. It was PG. <laughs> I would have done that. Or I would have just said PG and put brackets in brackets after Dick Tracy. It is about an American detective who is trying to stop Al, big boy Caprice, from <laughs> ruling the city. Big Boy is played by Al Pacino with Warren Beatty as Dick. <laughs> like, how many ten-year-olds are writing essays about Warren Beatty? Fucking hell. Um, uh, Dustin Hoffman and Dick Van Dyke were in it too. Uh, the main characters were Dick Tracy, Al Big Boy Caprice, Tess Trueheart, The Kid, The Blank, and Breathless Mahoney. Brackets. Madonna. Played by Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Dick Tracy was first thought up by Chester Gould. Fuck me. It was too. I would give the film 8 out of 10. It's your best film. So at this point, you've never seen a 9 or a 10. Um, well, Impossible. I, I have read ahead, and there's a funny bit at the end. Uh, <laughs> toys have been made of the characters, but I don't think they're very good. And they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. They they weren't. I bought one. Yeah. I bought one and then went, that'll do. I was the exact right demographic to buy yeah. them toys, and the best toy I got was a pencil with flat top on it. Yeah. And then years later, you realise flat, flat top is played by William Forsyth. Yes. Of course, from the, <laughs> the Stephen Seagal movie, uh, uh, Out for Justice. Um, and he's also in what's the other film that he's in? Um, uh, uh, William Forsyth's in a bunch of stuff. He's in The Rock, isn't he? Yeah, he's also in. Oh God, isn't he? Isn't he in The Rock? He's like playing like uh, he's like he's not Womack. Womack. <laughs> he's not Womack. He's like Womack's assistant. He's like the one that's like going. Yeah, daddy, get my hands on that. Right, so fucking hell. I loved Flat Top. I thought he was the yes. coolest character ever. Um, well, I don't think they're very good. Watches and T-shirts have been made from the film there too. two-way wrist radios. I, I had a watch and you pressed it and it said, Colin Dick Tracy. And we had Comet Relief Day. We, we were allowed to go in a fancy dress. And I went as... Um, Dick Tracy? No, I, I invented a gangster. Oh, and, lovely and I went in as this gangster, but it was based... It, it, was, it was like... I, the costume was all stuff that my parents had, so it was like an old kind of like, um, like a teacher's sort of like gown, 
and I wore like these red tights, like garters. It was weird. Did you have a name? It was really weird. I can't remember what my name was. I had this. Ma- it was. It was like it's really weird. And I had this mask. And there was another kid that turned up, and he was dressed as Dick Tracy. And we fought each other in the playground. And um, and Dick Tracy's sidekick was a guy called Sam Catchem. Right, and I'd say in uh, real life no, or in the comics, in, 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 it's in, Sam Ketchum in, in the film. I think it was called, was that the boy, called, the little kid. Um, no, Sam Ketchum was like the ginger guy that um, he, he wore. Oh, yeah, he yeah, wore yeah. red, and he was like Dick yes. Tracy's, and he was called Sam Ketchum. And I said to the guy that was dressed as Dick Tracy. Um, uh, you need to get Sam Catchem, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll go and catch him." And I was like, "You don't know Dick Tracy. You don't know <laughs> Dick." I said. Um, there were T-shirts and uh, be made in the film because Dick Tracy was meant to be Batman. Really. Yeah, it was. They, a were, big, they were really going for it. It's a really impressive everything about it. It's got like it's Stephen Sondheim and Tim, um, Danny Elfman, isn't it, doing the music and things? Right. It's sort of they've really thrown everything it's, at it. When you watch it now, it's, it's an adult film. Oh, and it's really impressive. Like everything's beautiful. It's fucking it's totally, incredible. It's, it feels like they really have got. They think it's going to be Batman, so they've invested in some of. Hollywood's like best people. It's Disney. It's it's the, huge. The, the makeup effects were brilliant, but it's a, it's a grown up yeah. kind of adult film about a, about a man who's got to choose between two women. Yes. There's a woman that's dependable that's going to stick with him for life. Test true heart. And there's a woman that he wants to fuck. Madonna. And it's Madonna. a kids' film that I fucking gave eight out of ten to. My favourite. And you can rent it on video. But you can't buy it yet. <laughs> uh, and then I've drawn his uh, two-way radio. Yeah, two-way radio. My worst film so far. Uh-oh. So these are films that are scoring. That's an eight. That is an I eight. love that you have you you still realise there's room for improvement. Yeah. You're still going, it's the best film I've ever seen. It's the best film I've ever seen. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. You're yeah. like an Edinburgh reviewer. <laughs> yeah, right, OK. <laughs> right, my worst film so far. My worst film, Brackets... Ever? So far. So far. Okay. My worst film, Brackets. So far. There you go. Okay. So you want to know? You should probably explain that when something's in brackets, Christopher Lee does a voice. Don't tell them. Don't fucking tell them. Let them Google it. Let them work it out for themselves. Everything's, everything's given to people on a fucking plate. You want the good stuff in this show, you've got to listen an hour <laughs> and 41 minutes in, and then that's when the good stuff really gets going. It's good now. This Fuck is a good show. Oh, there's people out... There's, there's people out here that have stopped listening There's people to this. that have stopped listening. <laughs> there's, uh, there's people that have crashed their cars. There's people, that, there's people that have jumped out of a fucking plane, right? There's people that can't fucking stand it, but there's three people out there that are thinking... This Wonder what that five-hour Jaws <laughs> conversation was like. This is for you. Fuck them. Fuck them. Your worst film. My worst film is Biggles. It was the 1980s. It was the 1980. Retrospectively, it was the 1980s reboot. <laughs> I think it's got Peter Cushing in it. Yes, yeah. Right, yeah. So my oh, worst film is uh, <laughs> my worst film is Biggles. It is about a man from the First World War who rides who who rides a biplane. It was PG. A man goes back in time and meets Biggles, and Biggles goes forward in time with the man. I give this film. Ooh, two, three. 
I'll give the film three out of ten yes. for effects. <laughs> uh, I'll give this film three out of ten for effects. Books have been written about Biggles' adventures. They were by Captain W. Lee Johns. <laughs> I suspect the books are better than the film because the film had not much story... Uh, had not much storyline. The acting was poor, and so oh. it did not make the film exciting. And then at the bottom, I've drawn a biplane. Couldn't even bring myself to draw Biggles. Oh. Just a biplane. I like the end of Biggles, actually. It's it's quite fun, isn't it? He's in a different... They're in, yeah. they're going to get eaten by cannibals. Yeah, yeah. They're in a big cooking pot. Spoiler alert. Um, I, don't I, think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it since. Shall we watch Biggles and uh, Dick, Dick Tracy? Tracy <laughs> for next week? Yeah, all right. Yeah, why and not? Fuck it. And then I've done a bit about tech. <laughs> Should we do it just now and keep it recording? <laughs> we'll leave it on in the background. Uh, then I've done like a chapter on techniques. Yeah. So these are like stunts. So I've done a chapter on stunts. Uh, and um, I think it's mainly stunts there. And they show you how the. Oh, look. Then I've done a, a, a chapter on ratings. Oh, lovely. I've drawn all of the ratings. Oh, you've drawn them all, coloured them in. What's missing? We've got U C, no U P G fifteen eighteen. Oh, 12. 12 at the bottom. I've written twelve at the bottom. So it's a new one, is it? So, so, so my ratings are U, and then what I've done is I've drawn like all of the family members that can watch it next oh, to the side. Oh, that's nice. So I've, I've I've used my felt tip pens here, and I've I've drawn a U, and I've even done sort of like all of like the um the background yes, stuff on there. I can see that you've done. Not just you've done some little bits to suggest all those little bits in the background of the certificate. Yes. Oh, it is lovely. Yes. And we can see it says Big Brother, Big Brother, Mum, Baby. They can all watch that. They're all watching it. Everyone can watch that. Everyone can watch that. Everyone can watch that. Uh, so it says here, it says, uh, You, universal, suitable for all. Uh, PG, parental guidance, and I must have gone through the videos and sort of written, written, it, written it down. General viewing, but some scenes may be unsuitable for young children. Who can see that? Baby's probably out of the picture, isn't it? 15, suitable only for persons of 15 years and over. And I don't know if I'd seen so that's any mum, dad, mum, dad and big brother? That is mum, big brother. 18. What about that? Is 18, a... adults only. I haven't drawn a dad, oh. but I think the big brother is like... Okay. Th- that's the men and, you know... 18, adults only, just mum. Just mum. Mum's watching the adults only stuff. You dirty old bitch. And there is... She's not listening anymore. Uh, And there is one other rating called 12. But God knows what that is. I haven't written that. That There is is, um, one other rating called 12. It is for people over or 12 years old. Uh... This was a new rating for uh, encouraging teenagers to go to the cinema. Oh, lovely. Batman was the first 12 film ever in 1989. I've written... So, and then... Are you ready? Yeah. Just to give people... An, Get the rank man back. There he is. <laughs> Just to give people an idea of what it is, what have we got included in my little thing? It's only a copy... <sighs> Of the Odeon Movie Guide magazine with with of Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves on the cover. July nineteen. Oh, is it the whole magazine? Not... Oh my god! It's July. Oh my god! The... Oh, next time. This on has just, just got X-rated. Um, so uh, so we've got the whole moviegoer guide from First Choice Odeon from July nineteen ninety one. Oh no! Next week. Next week we're doing this. Well, we're 
have we got time? Uh, yeah, we might as well just do it, right? Okay. Because I, I think this episode is two hours. It's at least two hours. And we haven't got into any... There's not a lot of content in there. I'll get to the, I'll get to the end, shall I? Okay. I'll skip to the end. All right, and then this is... Uh, I've drawn... Uh, uh, Slimer. You've drawn Slimer, and he is sliming Peter Venkman, who's on the floor, but, like, he looks like he's dead. Uh, yeah, but he's just been slimed. Yeah, he's so just been slimed. Here I have drawn a scene from Ghostbusters 1, the movie. As described later by David Essex, of And course. I think that, of course, and I think that that really is... I've drawn that in my own time. And because there was, it in. And, and, I've, and, I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I've included it. But the, the last page here yeah. is... Um, uh, is uh, well, it speaks for itself. It's basically the index page, and a few of the films I have seen. <laughs> Barry Norman. Well, they're all rated. Oh yeah, rated as in PGs or rated uh, as in both. scores. I've, I've, oh, I've said what, I've said what the rating is. Thank you. And what it is out of ten. Yes, please. Okay, so. Is this for anyone else? I'm loving this. Okay, so uh, a few of the films so I Can I see. see if I can guess the rating? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so rated you, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, spell mm-hmm. H-U-N-N-Y for some reason. Okay. Uh, what did I give that? Oh, that's high. 10. I mean, it can't be as high as Dick Tracy, so I'm going to say seven, six. Six out of ten. Yeah. Yes. Six out of ten, yeah. PG, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, <laughs> I think all saw a six. Yeah. Yes. How, that's incredible. It's a six out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a bit too grown up for me. Yeah. And yeah, I can see that. I, 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 retrospectively, I look at it now and it's like it's for kids. Mm. But at the time, I was a kid and it was it was a bit too much for me. Uh, PG Ghostbusters two and one. See over, and that's when I've drawn the picture. Are you giving them a score for the pair? Yeah, I loved them. Okay, well then that's going to have to be a seven. Mm-mm. Oh, that's also an eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so it's almost as good as Dick Tracy. Yeah, it's in the it's it's, at, it's in the same world of uh, of quality as Dick Tracy, but it's not Dick Tracy. Uh, PG Dick Tracy, eight out of ten, as we know. Uh, PG Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, well, you do say you like comedies, and that's amongst your favourite comedies. So I'm going to say that's all. I'm going to say seven. Yeah. Yeah. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, the Disney movie. Yeah. I've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, based on the kids franchise. Yeah. We've got Ghostbusters 2. Has that got Rick Moranis in it from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Uh, <laughs> what, Teenage Mutant Ninja no, Turtles? No, Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Oh, my God. Little Shop of Horrors. I loved Rick Moranis. Yeah. Oh, and... Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Bill, Bill Murray. Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Yeah. And Little Shop of Horrors. But he's in all three. He's yeah. in three of my... One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, so there's six films. You've guessed five. Right, so Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. yep. Ghostbusters. Yeah. They were cartoon franchises. Dick Tracy. Yeah. yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, yeah? Mm-hmm. What's the sixth one, do you think? Of all the films. Of some films that you've watched. As a ten-year-old that's writing, that's writing his, his little reviews out of ten, what do you think number six is? Should I have a mad guess? Yeah. The Hunt for Red October. No. Oh, if it was. Um, but no, but when I was in yeah, sure. when I was in primary school, 
there was a kid whose favourite film was The Hunt for Red October and everyone used to bully him because (laughs) they thought it was like this sort of like sissy like kids film and it was like, oh, you like The Hunt for Red October? And then when you watch it, it's like, yeah. It turns out he's a legend. This this (laughs) eight-year-old child loves the Cold War thriller (laughs) Hunt for Red October. Where is he now? Mm. Chris Chris Keating. I think he's a a genius. I I I mean, it makes sense. I think he went on to be an absolute genius. If you're listening, Chris. He's not listening All to this. All forgiven. He gave up. He gave up on our one. Oh, I shouldn't say his name, should I? I don't know. Ah, That's fuck fine. it. Okay, so what's number six? Number six. I think I the kids. Ghostbusters. Inner Space. No. Oh, be good if it was. I don't know. I'll only give you 19 more guesses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I going? Yeah. Okay. Um, I won't give you 19 more guesses, but I have a couple more guesses. All right, hang on. Uh, um, so it's going to be something unusual. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. No. Oh. If, if, if I was rating, that would get a 10 out of 10 right now. Yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is, is Tim Burton's best film. Yeah. Edgelord Reviews. <laughs> um, oh, um, oh, no, you probably wouldn't have seen I'm it. I'm going to tell you. I Go on. I did not like it. All right. Okay, so it's a film you didn't like. What can you, can you tell me the score out of ten? Give me some indication of how bad it is. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. That's mm. a bad one, isn't it? Mm. That's almost as bad as Biggles. And I think it was it, Biggles was the, my worst film. Yeah. And I think when I got to the end of the book, it was like, well, I can't give it three out of ten, but uh, this is. Yeah. So it's a film you've probably seen on TV that popped up. Oh, I love Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, well, I liked oh. Honey. I, I liked Honey. I Honey, the kids. I blew up the kids. No, oh. I liked Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I liked the Ghostbusters movies. I love Dick Tracy, and I love Little Shop of Horrors. Tell you what, I don't like the Share movie Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Four out of ten. Did you watch that what CIC video? I remember I got taken to see Moonstruck. My mum and my sister wanted to go and see Moonstruck. And they took me to see Moonstruck. And while we were watching Moonstruck, I think we might have seen it at the Hammersmith Odeon, at the, at the Holloway Odeon. And, um, and when we were watching <coughs> Moonstruck, I remember... Oh, no, we would have seen it in... No, no. The trailer before Moonstruck started, they advertised Police Academy 5, Mission Miami Beach. Yeah. And I spent the whole film just like going, Thinking I about wish it. I was watching Police Academy 5. And I remember I saw Police Academy 5 uh, um, at the Odeon on London Road in St Albans, but we saw Moonstruck in London. Uh, fuck me, it was, uh, it was a very boring film. Have you seen it since? Yeah. I've, uh, it's fucking weird. It's great, though. Nicolas Cage is incredible in it. Danny Aleo. Is that his name? Aiello? Danny Aiello, I think, yeah. Uh, he's great in it. Uh, Cher is obviously... Cher is brilliant in it. But it's this weird film which is about magic. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's got, like, this magical element to it. It's sort of like... Um, it's sort of like a Woody Allen-esque New York comedy where Cher wins an Oscar, you know? Oh, it's like uh, it's like a film where Cher has like a makeover and she starts sorting her life out. But it's not that. It's like a, it's a comedy drama. So you're looking at the. Uh, I'm Odeon currently magazine. looking through the Odeon Movie Guide first choice uh, for July 1991. I think we figured out, didn't we? 
Yep. So it opens up. You've got a lovely uh, uh, sort of pin-up of Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Depp's Edward Scissorhands, and it says, of course, it's saying it's for specifically for the um, Odeon on London Road, St Albans, and it gives the uh, assistant manager's name, and it says, of course, to be fair, no smoking, no smoking, no smoking in all auditoria. Some of them, it's fine. Um, you can you can book by uh, uh, telephone, uh, credit card, and there's an advanced booking office line open 11 a.m. till 7 p.m. There is car parking opposite the cinema. There's even the Odeon video shop. Is that within the cinema? Yeah, it was. And they and I remember they used to sell uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles bandanas. Oh, that's nice. And I think wristbands and bandanas, and um, it was the only place I knew that sold them, and I really wanted to get them, but you could only get them when the cinema was open. There's uh, some... Uh, there's a good adverts for local food places. Strange Waves Hair Salon. Do you remember Strange Waves? No, we never went there. My mum used to go to a cut above. Okay. Uh, it's got the Vegas Fish Bar advertising. No. They're advertising that they do pasta and chicken. <laughs> Good. But no fish. <laughs> There's a fish, a living-looking fish, a cartoon fish on a plate. They're advertising, ca- uh, what do you call it, Calinetics? Calinetics, that was a big uh, I'll never again my shape after Christmas, it says. <coughs> uh, Window World. It's mainly adverts. Mainly adverts. The Crystal House. Oh, it's lovely, though. Odeon gift vouchers. Okay, here we go. We're on to the films. Rock-a-doodle. <laughs> Rock-a-doodle. Uh, uh, so Rock-a-doodle is a film that I forgot existed. Don and Bluth. A, it's another Don Bluth film following uh, The Land Before Time, An American Tale, The Secret of Nim, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. So I Films I'm see... very familiar with, but Rock-a-doodle. I went to see... I, I, I never saw Rock-a-doodle, but I, did, I went to see A Land Before Time. Um, Me too. At the Secret s- of Nim. But I went to see Land Before Time at the same time that my sister went to see Batman. Right. So my sister got dropped off to see <gasps> Batman, and I went to see Land Before Time. And when we came out, my sister was like, Batman, oh, my God. And I was like, tell me, did it say Kapow? <laughs> did it say Wallop? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like... And you're watching a Land Before Time. I had to go and see a Land Before Time, but I was 10. Was I? No, I wasn't. I was 8. I was 8. Rock-a-doodle is a you. Of course. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. PG. Oh, it is nice. It's got a little write-up on each one. Got a little write-up. Keep going, no? Bruce Willis, Hudson Hawk. Always, always, it's great that you're enjoying it, but always have one eye on the fact that we're doing a podcast. No, for sure. I'm trying to pick up any. And, of course, the centre spread is uh, the big one, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's also got the cover. The cover star. The cover star. The cover star. Some lovely photos. Yeah. It's actually quite a well-designed magazine. Yeah, adverts at front, and then you get... And and do you know what? It was an essential part of cinema viewing oh, because because yeah. uh, you would get there, not like now when I turn up like five minutes into the film or like ten minutes, uh, speaking of which, uh, Rashomon. Yeah, um, we're in a Rashomon. We're in a bit of a Rashomon. Um, so, but like it wasn't like, it wasn't like that. It was, it was, uh, you'd get there and then you'd have to wait. You'd sit in the cinema and you'd wait. They'd let you in before anything was on. Yeah, I remember sitting in cinemas like have, ages before the even have to wait curtains for opened. Hours and hours, and then the curtains would open, and you get adverts. Yeah, 
and then the, and then you'd get trailers, which were the best bit, and then you'd get the film, which was 50-50 whether you liked it or not. But I always liked the trailers. Yeah. Okay, followed by In Bed With My Dinner, <laughs> the Bob Mills uh, film. No, In Bed With Madonna, uh, the, fi- the, the film it's based on. Was the movie called In Bed With Madonna? Yeah. So what was Truth or... Same film, it's called In Bed With uh, Madonna in the UK. But... In Bed with Madonna was Truth or Dare? Yeah, same film. Right, okay. Same film. Certificate? 18. 18, for sure. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. You excited for that? Um, Despite the... uh, The frosty reception I gave it. Yeah. Only two points higher than Moonstruck. It's true. So obviously I like Moonstruck a bit. Did you you end up going to see... I didn't... I'd lost interest in Turtles by that point. There we go. It was a bit late, wasn't it? Last film on here, which feels like it's got a bit of a, an afterthought, Thelma and Louise. Mm. What a massive one. Yeah. Certificate? Uh, 15. 15, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. More, a few more adverts here. But no, that's no, no, nice there, there, was, there was one just before. <laughs> There's one. This, this pin-up. No, what was it? You've got a pin-up of Madonna. Yeah. Um, you've got Thelma and Louise. Oh, I thought it advertised Hudson Hawk in there. I did Hudson Hawk. Did you? Yeah, yeah. No, you didn't mention Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk was after Edward Scissorhands. Was it? Yeah, yeah. You didn't say Hudson Hawk. Did I not? No. Oh. I got too excited by... Well, maybe you did. <laughs> I loved Hudson Hawk. I love Hudson Hawk. And it ends with a little pin-up of uh, Rick Mayle in uh, Drop Dead Fred. The, the problem with Hudson Hawk was that everyone wanted it to be Die Hard. Yeah. And oh, you, I liked it. But I liked... I, I, and I think when you watch Hudson Hawk now... The fact that it is such a swing and a miss. Yeah. The fact that it had such a huge budget. It was Bruce Willis, like, you got a blank check, you can do anything you want. And he did Hudson Hawk. And you watch it now, you go, how did that get made? It's brilliant. I love it. Really, really I think it's funny. quite entertaining. I don't, I don't think it's a bad movie. Well, I don't think anyone will be in any doubt that we absolutely nailed the discussion this week. Um, so, uh, have a quick game of uh, what, what year? year? Yeah, okay. do let's do it. Let's do it. What? It's time to play what year? Okay, this is a game where Nick has to guess what year the following questions, the, the answers are. He has to space say what year all the Fuck questions. Me. We've got to find a concise way of saying that, haven't we? And by <laughs> it's, way, it's, I it's mean a game. You. It's a game which really Nick Helm has to guess. What year? What year? That's basically it. It's a quick fire round. It's a quick fire round. It's a quick fire game. What year did the sitcom The Young Ones start? Uh, 1982. Yes. Whoa. Two points. (laughs) What year did the film Young Sherlock Holmes come out? 1985. Yes. What year was Denzel Washington born? 1963. 1954. Ah, do you know what? I almost said 1958. It would have been wrong, but... (laughs) What year did Bruce Lee die? Oh, God. Mm. 1973. What year did Brandon Lee die? You're correct. Was it? Yeah, spot on. 1973? 1973, spot on. So the only one I've got wrong so far is Denzel Washington? Yeah. Brandon Lee? Brandon Lee. Okay. Dad, 73? Uh, 93. 93. Yeah. I know The Crow came out in 93, but I didn't know whether they'd finished filming it in 92. You're doing well. I Am Legend was released in 2007, but in what? In which year was it set? Ooh. I've only seen it once, and I don't really like it. 
Mm. Well, are we 2023? 2012. Oh, fuck it. When did it come out? 2007. Yeah, sure. The film 2012 mm. is set in 2012. But in what year did it come out? 2008. 2009. Oh, but well, you're one year, year out. One year out, so that's 1.1 point. The TV show The A-Team started in what year? 1984. 1983. Oh, fuck it. One year yeah. out. Based on? Based on, I don't know. Magnificent Seven. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 guess it is, yeah. The character Wolverine first appeared in comics in what year? 1965. 1974. Oh, fucking hell. The book... The Godfather by Mario Puzo. There's no reason I should know this, but I am really fucking angry with myself. <laughs> the book, The Godfather by Mario Puzo, was published in what year? What year did the film come out? 71? 70, 71, something like that. Um, I think uh, it would have come out 69. 69. Really? Yeah. Really? That's it. Well, how much, what did I get? So you got all but, so you got two. None. One, three, one, four, none, six, eight, ten, twelve out of a possible twenty. Well, that's, that's not bad. Right. That's, that's not bad. Right. That's not bad. Um, all right, brilliant. Right. Well, um, for uh, if you're still listening, <laughs> <laughs> get fucked. Um, yeah, if you're still listening, um, thank, thank you. you for listening. Thank you for fucking listening. It was really um, good at the end, though. How, uh, we, we we will knuckle down and do it properly. <laughs> we will. We will. We will. Someone's got to be Natalie. Um, so, JC three thousand is so, meant to be pulling uh, his weight. JC three thousand's done fuck all today. <laughs> I apologise. You uh, should do. Too little, too late. Um, we'll be hearing more from the JC3000. <laughs> Fucking hell. Forgot you were there. Oh. Um, well, we, 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 we'll, be, we'll be talking to you next week. Um, God, fucking hell. Are we... Is this... Is this it? Is this it? <laughs> is this what we're doing? Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? 2023. Fucking hell. Do you know what? Are we going to sell out the O2 arena? <laughs> Yeah, I've booked it. <laughs> I've booked it. Something better. Are we going to fucking sell out the fucking O'Toole Arena? I've booked it, Nick. And I For the love to, of God. I for the love to. of God. If you even enjoyed one fucking millisecond of this, tell your fucking friends. Tell your fucking Please. friends. I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of debt. I've got bills to pay. I've got fucking bills to pay. I've He's booked. got a fucking roof, if you remember. Yeah. Fans of the show. <laughs> and I've booked the O2 Arena, hoping this would be got the way fucking, out. We've got the fucking O2 Arena, right? Oh, no. Even if there's only fucking ten of you in there, right? No, that can't that'll be. will still be no, it won't. a little bit of money <laughs> Towards you know, the overheads of renting out the O2 Arena, but for the love of God, fucking hell! <laughs> fucking ju- when it, just fucking tell your friends, retweet this. Fucking you can you can find this show on all of the places that you'd have found it by now. There's no point in fucking telling. I don't people. know if it's on iTunes. I don't yet. know how to end this show. Oh no. well, all, all there's time to say is, um, hey Nat. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you. Later, losers! We're 
Damn that. 